What's up, everyone? Just want to thank you for listening to the first actual uh, episode of the Big Truth Podcast. I'm here with my boy, Johannes. And if you don't know him, you, you, you know him either maybe from tattooing at Black Stallion Tattoo, or um, you might know him from his old hardcore days as a European hardcore superstar, or you might know him on the streets of Boston riding the Gold Diner. Gold member 617. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he's Dutch and he likes gold. Isn't that vid? <laughs> You're smoking the pancakes, yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but um, I, I wanted Johannes on as the first uh, guest because he kind of crosses like three main worlds of mine. And, and we were just talking about it a little while ago. Hardcore, tattoos and punk rock and uh, motorcycles. And... Uh, Hit I all mean, three marks. Yeah, right. You know, and it's like that's the target demographic, uh, at least at first. You know, like, um, you know, we're just going to be we're, it's more of like a subculture podcast, but also just want to talk to interesting people that live life outside of the nine to five basic, uh, you know, office grind and and show people there's alternative paths out there, cool shit you can do to, to survive and put food on the table and things like that. But also let people know that. You know, doing cool shit also comes with a world of sacrifices and things like that. It's not always easy or simple or, or as cool and glorious as it looks. Cause, a lot uh, of time and dedication. That's absolutely right. And so, um, you know, one of the things that's been interesting is that, you know, before tonight, you know, we've had many conversations off uh, off mic about the parallels between tattooing and, uh, you know, motorcycle building and stuff and how both have been affected, uh, how they were both like very looked uh, down upon or frowned upon subcultures and uh, were seen as something like scary to people. And now with all these TV shows, you know, we're catering to like a soccer mom type audience a lot of times or, you know, and just di different things like that. So we'll get into all that. But, um, you know, the funny thing about our worlds, and I just it just realized I, I just realized it right now as I was introducing you is. I don't even know your last name. You probably don't even know my real name. Nope. And I actually do, but that was like two weeks ago that I figured it out. And I was like, man, you don't need to know my last name. I don't need to know your name. I know yeah. your truth. That's yeah, it, man. Right. Your truth. You know, yeah, I'm yeah. Johannes. That's it. No that's last right. name. I'm the Black Stallion. But that's perfectly acceptable in our world. And I felt like a dick when I was introducing you. I was like, yeah, well, Johannes from Black Stallion Tattoo. You, you've probably seen his flash online or you probably bought some flash from him if you own a tattoo shop or you've seen him at conventions because he's all over the place. Yeah. But why don't we just get into, like, you have an interesting story. You, or first off, I have to ask you, Holland, people are Dutch, and it's also called the Netherlands. All right, so it's it's even more confusing than that because I don't see myself as Dutch. I see myself as Frisian. So Frisia is like a, um, a small little province on the northern part in the Netherlands. And we pride ourselves, if we could be separated from the Netherlands, we most likely would want that. We have our own language. We have our own uh, flag. We have our own national anthem. Um, it's one of those things that when I grew up, I didn't care that much about till I was actually not living there anymore. And that's like when I appreciated really where I actually was from. So 
Holland is a province inside of the Netherlands. So whenever you would say like, oh, he is from Holland, you basically exclude the rest of the Netherlands. So the country is the Netherlands, and then you have multiple provinces. Holland is a province which happened to have Amsterdam. That's like why on the soccer team, you'll see Holland. It's kind of became acceptable to call it Holland. Oh, but I ain't fucking Dutch. <laughs> I'm freezing all the way. So that's like, we still wear wooden shoes. We still ride tractors. It, it, it's like a very, it's a small, small kind of like place inside of the Netherlands, but it, it, it's really cool. It, it, it is absolutely like different from like the regular like Netherlands, like Dutch people kind okay. of thing, you know? So it's kind of like the free town of, of, uh, of the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah. I sometimes tell people being like, oh, it's kind of Texas of the United States, but then I'm like, no, fuck that. I don't want to be associated with Texas. No offense to anybody that lives in Texas, but we're, yeah, we have a different language. Um, we pride ourselves into like really hardworking. Um, it's more farmland. Okay. We're about like where I grew up is 45 minutes from Amsterdam, 45 minutes from the German border. So I'm really, I mean, the Netherlands is really small regardless, but, um, yeah, that's where I grew up. That's like where I, uh, I basically spent like, uh, up till like 18, 18, 19, like there. Then I like moved for a short stint to Rome, Italy, came back and then I moved to the United States of America. But that's pretty common in Europe, right? People bounce around a little bit more. Yes and no. I feel actually that it's like more common for like Americans to bounce around because obviously like America is huge. You can like move from like Boston to Los Angeles and anywhere in between speak the same language, have your same bank account, have the same currency, have like the same insurance. Not in Europe. Like sure. it's, it's a lot more difficult, but it is more and more common to actually like move around, especially now that like we're one European Union, you can just move. I, I could like move to Spain like one day and like a month later move to like Germany and then from Germany to Switzerland, like all these places you can actually live as long as you have a European passport. So it, it is nice. It feels like a little bit more like you're in a different country rather than going from state to state kind of thing. Yeah, well, it's a whole different language, a whole different culture, a whole different, different history. Different food, different yeah. history, exactly. And at one point, none of you guys were friends, and then sometimes you're friends, and sometimes you're not. I well, guess it's kind of yeah. like the states in that way, too. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like we, we talk shit about different states and all of that. Like, that's what we have with countries kind of thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's like Holland and Germany, it's always a big bass. It's kind of like, you know, especially in sports and all of that, obviously. The rivalries. The rivalry is, like, big there. Yeah, so... So look at that. It's already like it's only a couple of minutes into the podcast. People already got a, a lesson in geography and uh, Dutch. Well, sorry, not Dutch, but no, Netherlands cultures. It's it is it is actually the Dutch culture. Dutch culture. But yeah, you said the you're country not Dutch. is the Netherlands. Yeah. Well, I'm Frisian. Well, it, well, it is so confusing. Even I if I think about it, right? Yeah. The language is Dutch. We are Dutch, but the country is Netherlands. Yeah. But I'm Frisian. Yeah. <laughs> so. I didn't even know that Frisian Frisian, existed. yeah. So, you know, hence the, the name Black Stallion. Uh, if you're into horses, like Frisian horses, or like some of their, uh, some of the most prestigious horses, 
if you watch any kind of show like Vikings or Game of Thrones, if you see the big black horses with the long hair, those are Frisian horses. Those are like basically in my backyard at all times. Like we have like tons of them roaming around. Um, a lot of people like have them, ride them. Those are Frisian horses. And then most famously we're uh, known for like the cows, the black and white cows, the milk cows, Frisian cows. Frisian cows, all right. Yay. Now, are there any like, are they still wild out there? Like are there wild Frisian horses? Well, no. Rampaging around? <laughs> but we're, we're wild Frisian, but no, they're, they're not wild horses. But uh, my uncle, like he had like three or four horses uh, like that. I actually have like a, uh, a picture, which is really funny because people on the podcast won't know how tall my girlfriend is. My, my girlfriend is like five foot one and she stands next to one and like basically the stomach comes up to where her head is. Like they're that big. Yeah, like, she could almost like walk under ones. it. With, yeah, without. basically. <laughs> Now, and, and what you said about the wooden shoes is absolutely truth because I do own, I have one of my prized possessions, one of the coolest things ever someone brought back from, from, from travels was a custom pair of chopperhead wooden shoes from your village. You're welcome. Frisian clogs. Yep. And uh, I will uh, try and post a picture up or something because we're not doing video yet. You should like post that like little video that you have like where you're dancing in yeah, the wooden shoes. Maybe, That's, yeah. like, even better. <laughs> but yeah, in my in, I think that in the is area, on, the, like, on the Instagram. I think it might it be is on the, the Instagram. Yeah, I think, or oh, maybe it was on the stories. But you know, yeah, who, who, knows? who knows? Like that social media stuff, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's very common actually to still wear wooden shoes in our region and. Uh, it's 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 not weird to me, but again, like thinking back at it, it is. If you're not from there, it's like you really wear wooden shoes. Like, why would you wear wooden shoes? Yeah, they're pretty comfortable once you get used to them. Well, what I will say is that everyone at the shop, we all tried them on, <laughs> and we were all surprised about that they were actually very comfortable. Exactly. And I don't know about wearing them all day. But you said you have to wear them with like thick wool socks or something. Now that's the thing. Like your grandma would wear or would knit like thick, thick wool socks. Like um, I think we call it goat wool. It's like really thick wool socks. So it's like you have a little bit more cushion. And the more you wear them, the more they shape to your feet. And they're actually safer than any kind of steel cap uh, toes, uh, shoes, steel cap Steel, steel, Steel toe. Steel toe. There you go. I could have known that. Now, is it made from the wool of a Frisian goat? <laughs> Probably. The Frisian black goat? <laughs> Probably from the Dutch one because oh, we were like, fuck you, Dutch. You know, <laughs> we're going to take your like wool. Yeah, and put it on our feet. <laughs> now, so how does a dude from a village outside of the city. A small village, 3,000 people. A, a small village of 3,000 Frisians. Find his way into punk or hardcore or tattooing because it seems like you should be making cheese or something out of the Frisian milk <laughs> from the Frisian cow. We actually should, but I'd rather eat that uh, that cheese. And I got into uh, the punk and hardcore through my cousin who got me also into like motorcycles. It was like funny because like me and Tasha were like looking through some older pictures and there were like a few pictures with me on the back of his motorcycle, like a Honda Magna. Um, he moved to, I believe Australia, he's living in Australia now, but he knew that I was like into like the, the harder music, which was at first like Metallica, like Guns N' Roses, Guns N' Roses, like 
big Guns N' Roses fan. Um, and he was like, hey, two towns over, there's a hardcore show, do you want to go? And I was like, absolutely, I am down. How, how old were you? I was like about to be 15 at that time. And I still remember it was SNFU, Lagwagon, and there was one other band that I don't remember, uh, that I don't recall. Um, and um, this was in Snake, which um, they had a uh, venue called the Bolwerk, which was actually really good around that time. They had a lot of shows, like bands like Slapshot, Blood for Blood, all like the Boston bands that now somehow I became friends with, which is really weird, like, mm. especially as a 15-year-old, right? Like, I never could have, like, thought that, like, I would actually interact with these people on a daily basis, like, back here in Boston. But he asked me to go. Absolutely, 100%, I'm going. While I was there, I'm... I'm a pretty social person, so it was really easy for me to just, like, talk to some other people. I, like, talked to the Van der Werf brothers, Tom Van der Werf and Peter Van der Werf. Won't mean anything to you, but Tom Van der Werf was, like, actually a guy that, like, put the um, the skate stage on, like, the Dynamo Open Air, if you ever heard of that. Like, he actually was a big part of that. He was, like uh, like, working for Converse. I got in touch with those and they were from my town too. And they were like, okay, if you are into like any of these louder music, come to our house. We'll give you some like CDs that you need to listen to. I remember first thing, Gorilla Biscuits. And I was sold. I was like, fuck Guns N' Roses. <laughs> like, this is Gorilla Biscuits. This is awesome. Um, I remember, like, thinking back at it, it was Gorilla Biscuits, Turning Point. Because I, I was always, like, a little bit more into the melodic kind of, like, uh, like part of, like, the hardcore. Because I, I like bands. Like, obviously, once I saw Lagwagon, I, it still has a special place in my heart, like that trashed record. Um, they basically got me started in the hardcore. They introduced me to bands that I still listen to today. And I was 15. They were 19, 20, so they had a car, so I could go along um, actually not late after I became straight at. So they were like really happy because they were like, bingo, we have somebody to drive. And the fine for driving without a license was less than driving under influence. So they would drink and then I would drive back because if we got caught, they would cover the ticket because it was less. So I, I would go to like all kinds of shows with them and then I was introduced or I got became friendly with uh, the guys that later on I started a band with. They were from like a small town in Friesland again, Jurbegia, uh, which had the zip code 8411. They had the 8411 crew. They had a bunch of hardcore bands and I directly felt connected to those guys, like got along like great. Um, and I was like, I want to start a band. And they were like, all right, well, let's get some people together. So I would go actually on my little Thomas, like, uh, you know, Thomas here? Is that Puch, Puch and Thomas? Oh, like a little uh, 50cc moped, moped, moped kind of yeah, thing? Moped, yeah. I would like go on my 50cc moped. There was actually hey, dude, one band before that so, I played with. But. But, but, and we'll get back to that, and, and I'm not to interrupt you, but I think moped was like synonymous with freedom when you were in middle school. 
If you had a moped, you could go wherever the fuck you wanted. Oh, like, yeah. And I, I think that instilled in me. Like, I remember being a kid and working until I could get a moped. And then once I had one, uh, me and my friends, we would get on them, like two up on each one, these little things with our skateboards and go to other areas yep. that you normally that you couldn't get to by walking or, or, ri- or riding a, or a, a bus BMX or, or whatever. Yep. Well, you could get there by a bus or whatever, but whatever. You know what I mean? But we could, we'd go anywhere, skateboard strapped up, boombox, whatever, like looking like total retards walking, riding down the road. <laughs> um, sorry for, for the word. Looking like total imbeciles riding down the road. <laughs> oh, you know yeah, what I mean? that's a lot better. <laughs> One thing we're not going to be is overly politically correct on this show. Like, we're pretty nope. old school, and we don't mean offense to anybody. We take these words at, like, joke value, and, you know, it's it's comedic. It's, it's no offense. We live in Massachusetts. Yeah, we're, Retard we're mass- is a completely different thing. <laughs> yeah, it's with, like, it's with an H. It's, it's with an H and not yeah, a second R. It's with exactly. an H. It's a little different. I got that Boston accent, like, down every now and then <laughs> when I talk to you guys a little bit too much, you know? But, yeah, I remember that, man, like, like to this day, like, and that was, like, you know, riding out to my boys that, like, live three towns over, like, but having to go through all back roads because you couldn't really take that thing on the highway and just jumping off, jumping on the boards. You grew up in, like, Freetown area? No, no, no. no. I grew up in uh, New Bedford. Okay. uh, The city of New Bedford. uh, It's about a half hour, 40 minutes south of Boston. It was a real shithole city. It was, at the time, it had the highest violent crime rate, had the highest HIV rate per capita for New England. Party. Yeah, it was a big party, but we did whatever we could to kind of, you know, to get out of there when we could and go see friends other places and whatever. But, like, that was the first thing, and I think, Later in life, that's why motorcycles and all that connected. But the the reason why I got the moped was so I could go do skateboarding and punk rock things with my hood rat friends. You know what I mean? Now, what age can you ride a moped? Is that 16 here? Because you you can ride a a car here at 16 as well, right? 16 and a half, I think you get your your learner's permit. I don't even know the moped. We didn't care. And back then, it was different times. Like They they weren't as hard about shit. Like You know what I mean? As long as you weren't... Being an idiot on the road, like you know, they They'll just kind of never pull you over. Yeah, kind of yeah. Thing. Unless you were yeah. doing something real dumb, you know what I mean. But and I think that which that's we like, were usually, well, but you know, whatever. You know. But you know, you can do dumb stuff as long as they don't see you. You know, yeah, yeah. like, but like that. That yeah, I had I had my moped, and and that like became like you said, because in 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 like the Netherlands, you would be able to ride a tractor and a moped at sixteen and a car at eighteen. So, obviously, the minute I turned 16, I wanted to have a moped, so I had that freedom because <clears throat> where I lived and the guys from the band that I, like we started later on or even like where we went to the hardcore shows, if I didn't have anybody that wanted to go, I could just go on my moped. Like you said, it was that freedom. I could just now go whenever I wanted to. I didn't have to like leave early because of the last bus that I had to catch to my small town. I could just go on my moped. And I could go whenever I wanted to and come back whenever I wanted to. That's probably the first time that I realized I, I enjoyed that part of the freedom on, on riding on like a moped, which later on obviously became motorcycle and all of that. Sure, sure. But, so so um, so the moped enabled your illustrious hardcore career, it sounds like. Basically, my my baby blue. Thomas Moped, the 50cc moped, started my hardcore career. <laughs> and basically after that, my tattoo career and all of that, like if you think of it. Yeah, well, so, you know, and we'll, 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 go, we'll go into all, like, you know, some more of that. But, like, how did you get into tattooing? Like, what, what happened there? Like, you know, like, again, you know, obviously, um, 
Sorry, the <laughs> a very loud car is going by, and it actually picked up on the mic, so it distracted me. Sounded like a fart. Yeah, I know. That's why <laughs> it's no one's intestinal uh, uh, is, issues here. But it's it, the fireballs. It, it was actually one of the someone with like one of those uh, tin can the the coffee can mufflers on, on an import car <laughs> drove by. We're we're actually broadcasting live from Atomic Ink Tattoo uh, at the at the uh, <laughs> the counter because. We don't have a, a, a podcast studio per se yet, so it's a roving podcast podcast studio. But anyway, um, enough enough of that. But like, so what what led you into tattooing, and how did you get involved in tattooing, and 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 kind of build that up? I think that <clears throat> I think that tattooing. I became more and more interested in tattooing through hardcore, through punk, through hardcore, because obviously they go hand in hand, like we talked about before. Um, I was actually 15 when I got my first like tattoo. I still remember. Um, was it with a gun or was it hand poked? No, it actually was with a tattoo machine or gun, as you say it. <laughs> but uh, the same cousin that got me, like, brought me to my first hardcore show. He brought me to the first tattoo. I still remember. He told me he's like, "I'm going for a tattoo. Do you want to come?" And I was like. Fuck yeah, I'll come with you and I'll try and get a tattoo as well. And I actually went for a piercing and I was supposed to get two nipple piercings. I got one. I probably halfway one. I was like, screw this. This is so extremely painful. I am absolutely done with it. My dad somehow was really against piercing, but was semi okay with tattoos. I was not doing good in school. Um, school system is slightly different, like year wise, um, from 12 to 16, you're in kind of like high school, college, like a mix between. So, uh, it's supposed to take you four years. It took me five years cause I took a year off to be my punk self. Um, he said that if you do well in school, you can actually have a tattoo. And uh, I got my grade up, just enough to pass, and I got a sick of it all tattoo. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, so it was a, it was a, was it a alleyway dragon? It was the alleyway dragon. Yep, sick of it all. Still till today is probably my all time favorite hardcore band. That like, if I see them, I, I'm not even up to date with their new records, but I see them, I get goosebumps. Like. I don't know if you ever heard Live in a World of Full Hate, which was actually a live bootleg that like Lost and Found Records did, if you heard of them. Yeah, they were like from like Germany. Um, that record still till today will make me be really close to stage dive and throw my back out. Like that <laughs> is such a good record that has so much memories to it. I remember going to school on my moped and there was one record store by the school that every Wednesday they had new releases out. And then we had a magazine called Artschok, which Ono Chromag, like was, um, like he did like a lot of reviews. And I saw on the cover of like the Artschok that Biohazard, like really big and then small, sick of it all. So I like Biohazard. I was like, bingo, sick of it all. I think I know what that means. They just have a new record called Sick of It All. I asked them for the sick of it all record. It was scratch the service. That was it. I was biggest fan of sick of it all. And I was like, I need to get my sick of it all tattoo. So <laughs> I was 15 when I got my first tattoo. And I think that 
kind of spiked. I loved the whole process of it. Granted that it wasn't the best tattoo shop. It wasn't the tattoo shop that I got connected with later. But it was such a magical kind of thing. As a 15-year-old, it was just like I felt like such a rebel to have like a tattoo from my favorite New York hardcore band. I didn't even know where Queens, New York was, but fuck yeah, sick of it all. I, I was I was so proud of that. And that spiked my interest a lot into the the just the subculture of like like we talked about earlier, the subculture of like tattooing and and hardcore just kind of went hand in hand. A lot of like the the tattooers, they knew, maybe they didn't know like any of the obscure like New York hardcore bands or like Boston bands, but they knew about like just metal or hardcore in 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 a broad spectrum. And um, I felt that place. I was like, bingo, this is like one thing. It's like being like, these guys are like tattooing. I was 16 when I, 15 and a half, 16 when I finished school because um, I had that extra year. And I told my parents I didn't want to go back to school. Uh, I, I couldn't sit still. I have a hard time sitting still. I just need to learn by doing stuff rather than reading books, right? Um, so, so nowadays they'd get you medicated on uh, for, for, for ADD meds. For and ADD stuff. meds. I wish I did because I would love some Adderall. But uh, yeah, they were like, okay, that's fine, but we're not going to allow you to do nothing, so you have to have a job. So I went into construction. Um, obviously, a lot of the construction workers had tattoos, so I just like always was like interested in their tattoos. Granted that this was... 96 97 so it was a horrible time for tattooing because it was just all tribal arm pants and like really bad stuff or at least what i got exposed to cherry cherry creek cherry creek before kind of stuff. before I was at, before it was ironically cool well yeah now i'm like <laughs> fuck yeah cherry creek stuff like tattoo brand stuff that's my bible now that's like all my tattoos are based basically of that just you know in a new jacket um where did I leave off? Le left off? Um, I worked in construction, and then I, um, little by little, I, I did not like that. I couldn't work construction. I have mad respect for anybody working construction because that is the hardest job I have ever done. Wake up at 5 o'clock. It's freezing cold. You still have to lay brick or, like, do tiles. It was too rough. My dad, we have a lot of, like, like, uh, the area where I grew up is really close to a lot of lakes because the Netherlands, obviously, below sea level. We have a ton of water, ton of boat people. A lot of Germans come over to the Netherlands for boat people. And there was a guy that uh, did had a piercing whole supply, uh, whole, wholesale like uh, company. And he was like, come to Nuremberg in Germany and I will have one of the guys show you the basics on piercing. So I actually got into tattooing through piercing. I went on the first train, went to Nuremberg. That, that explains a lot, though. Let me well, let me digress for a second, if okay. I can interrupt. I don't know what it is about piercers, and, and I know I'm going to get some hate from this, but there's a really weird fucking lot of people like... It's, yes, it's a very bizarre lot of people that get into piercing. You know, no, and obviously I'm kidding around, but 
but there is some a little bit of truth into that into that joke. One hundred percent. So that explains a lot. Now I feel like I know a little bit more about you. Yeah. Well, you like uh, so I never made like a, a like a, a thing out of this. Like piercers turning into tattooers. It's kind of like the joke in the tattoo world as well. I am happy that I pierced for the first couple of years because I had no artistic ability whatsoever, or it was not unleashed till like later on. Yeah, that's what I wanted. So, like as a kid, you weren't like doodling or drawing or or, or like I was into the art. Perfect candidate for ADD, like medication, because I could not sit still. I had to do stuff with my hand. I had to run around. I had to build like huts in the forest. I just had to do something rather than sitting around. Um, I never, never drew, never painted, nothing at all. Not till I started being interested in tattooing that I went like, all right, I know that I have a massive, um, I'm, I'm really far behind because I never had that art aspect. So once I started going into tattooing, I went full force. I just made sure that I was going to go and keep up with like, the tattooers by working three times as hard because I had to, because I did not have the ability. I would draw stick figures, like not even good ones either. Um, till today, I always tell people being like, I'm, I'm a tattooer. To me, tattooing is a craft. You can learn a craft. If I need to do anything outside of that craft, if, I, if you would ask me being like, hey, we're going up to the White Mountains, we're going to paint scenery, I'd be fucked because I wouldn't, I know how to make a tattoo. I could put a nice traditional frame around it and put some mountains and trees in there, but it's going to be a tattoo. So to me, I never see myself as an artist. I see myself as a tradesman more and you can learn a trade. Doesn't mean that it's going to be easy, but if you have the time and effort for it, you can absolutely learn a trade, like anything, like welding, like carpentry, or, or whatever, like tradesmen's like are. You can learn. Doesn't mean that it's gonna come easy. So you you gotta work hard for it, and that's what I had to do. Um, so so your your artistic kind of, um, I guess, uh, palette would be just more towards like you can draw, but if it's in a tattoo style for a tattoo. For a tattoo, exactly. But, and that's kind of where you, yeah. where, the realm of art you stay yeah. in. Yeah, and that, that doesn't mean that I cannot expand beyond that. And and I tried for a little bit. It's just that I, I got busy enough with tattooing to where I don't really have time for any other like art things. I, I, I would like to, at one point, just learn some new like aspects of art. It's just that like I'm, I'm busy enough with tattooing I'm a slow drawer, so it, it will take me a little bit to actually come up with the tattoo designs. Let me ask you a question. Have, are you one of the guys that switched over to an iPad and drawing on the iPad yet? Because I do see people do that successfully, and they still draw very, very tattoo designs, but it's just a lot easier. It's like when you have to change a line or change something on the fly for a customer. Like, oh, I like this, but can you I have a hard time with it. And and you told me, because there, there's a lot of people that, like, I'm lucky enough to have like a lot of friends in the tattooing that were like, hey, we'll show you some tricks because it is actually makes it a lot easier, especially today, right? Like I think that like when I when I started in tattooing, 
it wasn't as much of a thing to where people just constantly want to change. Like, right, they're nitpicking now. Like, back then, I feel like you just showed a drawing and people were like, fuck, that looks like a tiger to me, you know, like ready to go. Or, or um, they came in and they looked at the wall and said, saw a piece of flash and were like, that's what I want. There you go. I mean, if we look at the walls right now, like those seal ships, like right there, I cannot draw a better seal ship. So it's like, there's five seal ships right there. If those are not the ones, Sorry. you might not want a seal ship, you know? It's like, and, and I think that uh, with the iPad, it became a lot easier to to change things because you can obviously build up like different layers and size them up. I still have a hard time with it because because of my uh, lack of experience in the art world, uh, what what I normally see is that like your drawings get more stiff, like right because it it's just not as like flowing. On the iPad, it became even more stiff. It just like wasn't it didn't have that flow, so. I do have the iPad to do the general layout, but then I go back to paper. Like I, I just do the layout kind of stuff to see like, okay, I need to have a rose here, need to have a tiger head here, need to have some pinwheel flowers there, size them up. All right, now I can go and then I just go back to the brushes and just like loosen everything up. Um, I love seeing that people actually can manage iPad art because it makes things so much easier. One major problem that I have with the iPad is everything looks like it's drawn on the iPad. <laughs> the more tattoos you see, I, you can almost pick out yeah. that you did it with the iPad. And it uh, doesn't mean that everybody is like that, but yeah. it becomes so easy. And and that's like maybe like starting to touch like a little bit of a subject of like what we talked about earlier that because it becomes so easy means that more and more people get into it like really easy as well. So let me stop you there because because I want to get into that and we're going to lead up to that. But um, oh, yeah, actually, he's making a, so we're not filming this get one. But, into this. So but but so just for the listeners out there, so you understand what's going on, we have a bag full of nips <laughs> and it's an assorted bag of nips. And we're at different points in the podcast. We're reaching in and grabbing one. And it's 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 like reaching like I don't know if any of you saw Flash Gordon where they had to put their hand into that to that wood thing where like you didn't know what you were gonna get you put your hand in and one of them was like the trap where you got bit and killed or whatever I've never seen this okay but. it's an old it's an old stupid movie but we're gonna reach into the bag grab a nip whatever you get that's what you it's drink what you drink all right so we're gonna do one all right oh I got a fireball I got a butterscotch McCullingully Dr. McGulligutty's butterscotch all right so here's to health but I I, I definitely want to get back on something with that or one second let's take our <laughs> now right. people might not know what nips are do you know that this uh, is a very New England thing nips is, is nips a New England thing oh it's 100 percent because it's basically a single shot in a bottle airplane bottles they call them in different yeah. parts of the state okay so in the United States so we're taking shots from airplane bottles and whatever you want to call <laughs> nips airplane bottles um so anyway before we get into the things being easy did you do a traditional kind of tattoo apprenticeship or you know I know you said you were a piercer at a shop Dude started showing you some tricks and you started getting into it. But how did you actually kind of develop 
from being, especially not having an art background, from going from a piercer to a tattooer? So I did not have like a traditional apprenticeship as far as like tattooing goes. And I think that that was mainly because I was piercing already. Piercing and tattooing go hand in hand, especially back then. I feel that now like it's it's like a little bit more separated, but it, it, it went hand in hand. So I was lucky enough that like when I was like piercing, I met enough tattooers through piercing where they recognized that I was like a hard worker and they were like opening up to me for starting to tattoo. Um, one of the first guys was Lorinto back in my, uh, or he's, he's like about like 25 minutes, 30 minutes from like the place that I grew up. Um, I had three tattoos before I got in touch with him. Um, it was just like he was in a in a in a college town, college city. It was just the opposite way. Plus, it was just like one of those things that like most of the people that I knew went to this other guy. Once I got in touch with him, that's like when I really got the taste of like what tattooing is. Traditional tattoos, Japanese tattoos. That's what he did. Like really strong. Um, he was the first guy that like kind of was like, okay, I recognize that you're working hard for it. Uh, we worked like one or two like um, festivals together where we would have like a, uh, what do you call it? It's, it's almost like a, uh, what, damn, what is that called in English? It, it's almost like a break room for like construction workers. It's it's like a little like house on wheels, basically. It's just like a, yeah, it's just a big box on wheels that you can go around. That was your break room. We would have those on the festival field and I would pierce and he would tattoo. And it was absolutely amazing. But not till I moved to the United States did I start like really showing an interest in tattooing. And I was working at, in San Diego at Chronic Tattoo. Is tattooing what brought you, what brought you to, you know, to the United States? What made you want to come out here? Long story short, I basically had an opportunity. I was, I, I always had the traveling like in me. So I, I went from like the Netherlands. I lived in Italy for a little bit, came back to the Netherlands, went to a convention, a Pearson convention, like the APP in Las Vegas. I got in touch with like a bunch of people like right there, got invited to come to Tucson, Arizona to work in Tucson where I actually met Lenny. Um, Shout out to Lenny Mental, New Hampshire's yeah, Lenny Mental. He might school. he might not remember this because this is uh, quite a while ago. But yeah, I went into Tucson, Arizona, pierced for Johnny Ray. Um, it was a culture shock. Not talking ill on like Tucson, but coming from the Netherlands, from a small town, to go to Tucson where there's shotguns, everybody had a gun on their hip, in the bars was a really weird thing. What, what year was this? This must have been 2003, 2004. Oh, okay, so I missed Cause, it because I lived there from like 95 to 96. That's where, you know, being Bricktop Brent and everybody, like yep. that was like my roommate and my homeboy out, the, well, out there. Well, then I moved to Flagstaff. But it's the same thing. Even coming from the East Coast, the first day I showed up in Tucson, 
I lived in an apartment complex on East Prince Road, and and I remember going to the Circle K across the street, which is just like a. I remember the Circle K there, yeah, yeah, convenience store, and I just walk in, and there's a dude strapped, like he's got like like old West too, like like he literally had two revolvers, like an old like timey like holster, like on his fucking on his hips. I was like, fuck yeah, we ain't in Boston no more. Yep, but. And I would see dudes riding around on motorcycles with a shotgun strapped to their back. And I was like, fuck yeah, man. Fuck yeah. See, you were fuck yeah. I was like, fuck this. I ain't going to get killed. Because back where I'm from, it's really stupid idea to wear wooden shoes or have a lighter on you already. Because once you get drunk, you get in a fight, you'll kick a person with their wooden shoes, with your wooden shoes, right? That is it hurts to get kicked by a wooden shoe, believe it or not. Well, yeah, they're but pointy. It's I, I can see it. Different than a fucking gun. Well, like, you know, well, it's like, well, I was like, this is crazy. What is the it? fuck's up with a lighter in, 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 in the Netherlands? Well, you put like the lighters in your hand, like to wear oh, your okay. fist or yeah, a roll yeah. of quarters, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Like, it would actually make your like, it, fist yeah. harder. So yeah. it's like, you were not allowed lighters. There were plastic cups because, like, it was a rowdy kind of like town. It wasn't like rowdy rowdy but like after a couple of drinks you know it's like always like being like where are you from you're from the rival town well fuck this let's I'm a throw down the shin with my fucking wooden, <laughs> with clog. my wooden clogs so having the guns was just like really like it was a weird thing i was supposed to be there for three months i did two months got in touch with a friend of mine that i met through like the convention and he was in san diego so i took I'm almost positive I took a Greyhound bus, but it could have been a flight from Tucson to to San Diego. I did the Greyhound bus from from Boston to Tucson. Oh God! And I saw some shit on that ride. Boy. I can imagine. Holy fuck, man! I can imagine. So I don't really have a recollection, but I'd like to believe that, like that that that's why I know Greyhound. So I I think that I went on a Greyhound bus, went to San Diego. Stayed there for two weeks, and then I flew from San Diego to Denver, Colorado. I really like Denver. I got in touch with a bunch of people that allowed me uh, at Twisted Soul. They allowed me to uh, pierce there. I went back to Europe. I think I was there for two weeks and flew right back to Denver. And I stayed there for three months. Then I went back to the Netherlands and then I got a call from San Diego saying that they needed somebody to run the piercing part because one of the guys was like moving to, I believe it was San Francisco. Um, And this was the opportunity for me to just being like, obviously San Diego, California, nice weather all the time. So I took that chance, flew to California and within two to three weeks, I was like, hey, you know, it's like, I'm here, but I do have like the wish to start tattooing. And that is like one of the things that I, that I do want to like, um, what do you call it? Just, just basically I wanted to become a tattooer. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I don't know the English words. Did you, did but, you make you know? it a condition of your employment? Be like, I'll be here, but you got to teach me this shit too. Kind of. I don't really remember how I did it, but I definitely made it aware that I wanted to. And we were working with like 11 other tattooers there. And there were two guys that were like, all right, if you go into this, let's just go paint flash. And that was like my first introduction to actually like traditional tattooing. 
granted that this was over a span of like nine years of being like a piercer and working with tattooers already, but I started like uh, paint and flash and little by little did the owner allow me to just like start tattooing my clients and my friends. And I had help all along the way from uh, two tattooers that would just show me the way eventually three tattooers, four tattooers, five tattooers. Um, I was in San Diego, I believe for two and a half years, if I'm not mistaken. And then I moved to Los Angeles. Um, moved to Los Angeles where I met Tasha. Lived in Los Angeles for a year. I didn't like Los Angeles. Again, anybody that lives in Los Angeles, nothing bad towards that. It was just not me. And C wanted to go to school in Boston. So I was like, fuck, it's a lot closer to home. So why not? Never did I know about winters here until <laughs> <laughs> I moved here. But let's, let me, uh, uh, I just want to wrap my head around something. So how long? It's a long story. Yeah, no, but, but how long was it between the time you told the people in San Diego, look, I want to be a tattooer um, to the time you actually, how long did it take? Given, like you said, no art background, how long did it take before you became a tattooer or were um, competent enough where you would start like actually tattooing clients as a tattooer, not just like as an apprentice or as like, apprentice. Or, or, you know, even though you didn't have a formal apprenticeship, but like, you know, tattooing yeah. for tips type of yeah. thing before you were really charging people and taking clients in. So I, w I was lucky enough that through piercing all my clients there, they kind of trusted me already with their piercings. So the so it's minute, a big difference though. It's, well, it, it's, it's a big it's difference a to go big with a pin and fucking but like granted that I, I was doing like a little bit more than your like navel piercing or your tongue piercing, right? Like we started doing like those dermal implants, like from the very early starts to where like they weren't even dermal implants. We started bending them from like nostril screws and all of that. Sure, yeah. So it was like Were you splitting tongues or any of that? I actually assisted in three or four tongue splittings and I I almost passed out because that is <laughs> that is something different. Uh, the minute you, I don't want to give too much away, but like the minute you 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 start apprenticing and you do tattoos for tips or for pizza or for beers or anything like that, you have a line around the block. And I was lucky enough that like all my piercing clients were like, I want a tattoo. There's nobody else that I trust besides you. Um, so that's more of a testament to people, to, to, to you and your personality and people's trust in you. Because like, like, you know, like back then, if I knew you, like, I, I would be like, yeah, dude, I love you and I trust you, but I don't know if I want you drawn on me yet. Yep. And, and I think that that was, but that's an that important like, part that people don't realize. That's an important part of the business is having that confidence, but also being, having that personality where people are like, oh yeah, dude, you, you know, well, I, I, and I that think trust. it's like, again, this, this like might give like at times like a little bit too much away to like the new people that now want to get on the fat of tattooing. But I, th I think that the, I, I don't want to, I, I don't think I would ever want to have an apprentice, but if I would, I think that the art aspect, as silly as it sounds, is secondary to your bedside manners. Your bedside manners in tattooing is important because you know as a tattoo shop owner that, what, 70% of the people do not know the difference between a good tattoo 
and a mediocre tattoo, right? But they definitely know the difference between being treated well and not being treated well. So when I started, luckily now it's not the thing anymore, but when I started, I just made sure that I made sure that like people were treated well, that I listened to whatever they wanted. And I was lucky enough that I had the help of other tattooers. The, the thing that I was always thought is like, you can fix a badly done tattoo. You cannot fix a badly drawn tattoo. So I never drew my tattoos at first. For the first year, it was flash. If you didn't want flash, I was not the guy, right? Sure, yeah. Because like, whatever you do, if you do a bad executed tattoo, but it's a good drawing, you can always come back. I can always fix the line work. I can always fix the color. But once you put a bad tattoo, bad drawing on somebody, that's it, right? That's when we come to you and get like basically laser removal and then we go for it. Yeah. Um, as as like getting into tattooing with not really an art background, I think that like your most important thing is to just listen to your clients and actually treat them with respect because they are wearing your artwork for the rest of their lives. And I have done some bad tattoos, some bad tattoos on people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all have them on us as well, sure, but yeah. like I've done some bad tattoos, but I, I think for me, it's too, it's like, I, I like to have good tattoos on me. If you ask me now, if I would rather have a mediocre tattoo from a really cool guy or an amazing tattoo from an asshole, what would you choose? What would I choose or what would you choose? What you would you choose? Yeah, it really depends. Because, like, the, the thing is, right, like, let's say that no, you but get I an know, amazing, I know what you're yeah, you get an amazing tattoo, you pay 500 bucks, and you're like, fuck that dick. Yeah. Like, you look at that tattoo, and you have a bad experience. You just have a bad taste on that. Sure. No, you know? I get it. it. Especially, to me, it's a, when you, I, it depends what you mean when you say asshole. If you mean someone that's, like, you know, got, like, a, a real bad attitude, like, you know, narcissistic, like. Uh, pompous. Yeah, I get that. But one thing that, you know, we, we've talked about offline is that, you know, the difference between a tattoo shop in like the, the eighties and a tattoo shop now, like one thing that I did like, and that I did appreciate, and this is with hardcore motorcycles and, and tattoos is that like, for me in the eighties and nineties, these three areas were like the last bastions. They were like all pirate stens. And like, if you got involved in that world, it was a rough and tumble world. I remember to this day being like a 16 year old kid going into art freak tattoo. Now, Don Lucier and Mike Lucier and all those guys are like good friends of mine. Mike was a friend of ours and, and we would hang out with him and his older brother Don owned the shop and they had a doorman named Jack and you went in there and if no one knew you, you know, you had to put your, put your time in before well, people warmed well, it's up. It's funny to know already that like tattoo shops used to have a doorman, right? Like, yeah. Well, and, and you know, I that's remember how different it was. Yeah. And, and you know, being a kid, 16 years old, Jack was like 40, you know, you come in and he's like, the fuck do you want? You know what I mean? And and they weren't, they weren't like, they weren't, it wasn't like pompous, just dudes were gruffer. And it was like, you know, like if you could stand it, like if you, st if you stood in there and hung with it and gave shit back, like you were accepted and it was cool. Like if, if you were, 
had a little bit of sand up up your skirt, like you you got fucking bounced out, right? It was like you know if you yep. don't belong, don't be long, you know. And, yep. and and there was something to that. And as a tattoo shop owner, you know what I mean. And and with laser tattoo removal, it's so weird now where it's so you got to be more customer oriented. But I do have a fondness and respect for when tattoo shops. And, you know, everything was, it was still pirate stens. It was still like rough and grumble. Well, <laughs> I definitely love that like whole aspect. And I, I think that it's like great that like we grew up around that. Sure. Right? Yeah. Like I, I, I sometimes like wonder if like, and that's like in hardcore, that's in tattooing and that's it like in, 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 in riding motorcycles, right? Like the whole chopper scene since, since that's like the three things that like we basically have a lot in common. I, I think that nowadays i wonder sometimes if somebody gets into the chopper scene right now into the hardcore scene into the tattoo scene do they have that same experience no, that you and i not. have not no because that's I'm gonna, what i like i'm gonna go into a couple things here and then interject because you i know you have a different experience like with a lot of your formative years being over in europe and i know europe and america are different but when i was a kid and i got into punk rock right yeah you know, i'm dating myself but you know i got into punk rock when i was like 13 and, Damn, and, you're and, old. Yeah. Well, <laughs> 13, like what? 13, I wasn't old, dude. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and went to my first punk rock show in 80. It was the summer between my uh, eighth grade and freshman year of high school. So it was 85, 86, suicidal tendencies in Jerry's kids. Oh, God. But in those awesome. days, if you were a skateboarder, if you were a punk rock dude, I wasn't into motorcycles. I forgot yet. about skateboarding. Except that's like how I got into yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, besides my moped, I wasn't old enough for a motorcycle yet, you know? Um, like, you know, you got into that stuff. I got into fights literally every week of my life. Like, oh, you fucking faggot, skate fag, punk rock fag. Like, and I was fighting metal dudes because because <laughs> at that point there was a dis a line in the sand that no one likes to talk about that because right now in, in hardcore and metal and I love metal too. Like, but like. Half the bands that are hardcore bands right now, I, I think they're metal bands. And I'm like, I don't know. What's the difference? The dude's got a shaved head and sings about, like, friendship versus fucking whatever. Yeah, wear sporty <laughs> shoes and that's yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, but, but, you know, back in those days, punk rock and hardcore didn't know, and metal didn't always get along. And it's cool now. And, you know, I'm not saying anything, but I remember getting fights with, like, you know, like the burner metal dudes at my school, the jocks at my school, like the the, the preppy dudes, whatever. You know what I mean? The, the brothers, anything. Everyone's like, who the fuck is this shit? And, and you fought for it and and something you brought up even earlier is like you bought the sick of it all record because you saw it associated with biohazard like we didn't have the internet and and i'm not going on a ramble an old man ramble here but that's how you found shit like you looked at the thanks list on the well, back of a record and you exactly. hunted shit down so I learned so many bands because of a thanks list yeah and the biggest difference too is that you had to be there Yep. So, like, if you wanted to see a show, you couldn't wait for someone to fucking Facebook it live. You went to the show, and that's how you found records, and that's how you met people, and that's how you found other bands, and you bought merch, and then, like, someone was set up, and there might be a dude with his little distro table, and you bought some other shit, because you're like, oh, that looks cool, and you, and you found shit. So you had to be more there and more present. Like, nowadays, you can get into punk rock and type it, type it in and... Learn well, everything online, and yeah, or Wikipedia. Get everyone's catalogs. Whereas we had to search it out, had to find the records, had to be at the shows, had to be there. And uh, as you know, you remember writing letters? Oh yeah, dude, dude. I, I got bags of fan mail, or like letters. Like I don't want to say fan mail, but letters that people wrote us when the ITI records came out from you know yep. from that shit. But 
what, what I what I mean is that you had to be more present and you had to be there. You couldn't just look at your device in your hand. And so there's something to that that I think kids today don't get. And to me, it's a disservice because those are some of my fondest memories because even though sometimes it could be the most sketchiest memories or, the, you know, it was a pain in the ass or you're stranded somewhere or you only got $2 and you know, do I buy this record or do I eat today? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's something you appreciate about that that, that you don't get today because yep. everything's just spoon fed right into your hand, right on your device. And, well, and everything is a lot easier these days, like for sure. Yeah. Like you don't have to work as hard for yeah. it. In tattoo shops, like you went in there, they weren't as friendly at first until you kind of showed them who you were and stuff. And, and then, you know, motorcycles was definitely different. Like I remember being like, when I first got in, and, and another thing with the tattoos is like you mentioned in Europe, like a lot of them new punk rock and this and that. Out here, it wasn't always like that. So some shops did, but some shops were just old gray beards and they didn't give a fuck about that. They were, yeah. fuck you, you know? But it was always different though because it was always more accepting because we were outsiders from the mainstream. And we had our own little clubs and our own little safe spots, like little tattoo shirts. Yeah, all right, these dudes are cool. Then, you know, they're outside, you know, and that's how motorcycles was when I first got into it. That's how everything was when I first got into it. And and, and it was, everything was the, the extension of loud, fast, dangerous, and do it yourself. And, uh, and and from punk rock to metal to hardcore to, to, to motorcycles, it's all the same shit. But at those times, it was a lot more tight knit and a lot closer because it was definitely smaller groups. And we were banded because you 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 had to be kind of with each other because you, you were fighting the rest of the society. We were outsiders yeah. and that shit. Seems now all this shit's more mainstream. And I don't know what it is. Like I don't know why. Like, you know what I mean? I think it's TV shows like blew up motorcycles, blew up tattooing, put it more in the mainstream. And there's good elements to that because now I don't get pulled over as much on a chopper. Or now I don't get looked at as weird having like hand tattoos or being heavily tattooed. Or I don't get fucking weird looks from listening to punk rock going down the road. You know what I mean? Versus, you know, back in yeah. 80s, 90s, things like that. You got your punk rock t-shirt at like Hot Topic nowadays and all of that. Yeah, you can go to the mall and buy a black flag shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that that like you know like the whole DIY scene like I that's those are like times that like I appreciate that I actually was around for that right like making like when when we started like Spirit eighty four when I went on my little like Thomas fifty cc scooter and started like Spirit eighty four and make like actually cassette tapes that like I would buy like a tape recorder I think. Like, and just, like, actually, like, by myself, would, like, them, yeah. make them, like, dub them. Those are kind of things that, like, yes, right now it's a lot easier to do. I think that, like, if you never had that experience, I, I think that that's, like, what connected you more to something that you were really passionate about. Sure. I think and you and just, this is maybe the old people in us, yeah. like, speaking, but it's, like. But if you had to, I always feel in life you appreciate things you have to work for more versus things that you're just given. And, 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 and maybe easier not. it is to get information. Like, you know, like you, maybe you don't appreciate it as much or I, maybe, I, I don't know. I mean, I can't say that with certainty to me, it feels that way, but you know, sometimes, you know, I, a song comes on Spotify and I hear it for the first time and I never heard it before. I'm at the gym and it's the next song on, you know, Spotify suggests things and they play yep. things and I'm like, God damn, this song's fucking good. So I do appreciate it. I didn't have to hunt it down. It was just pushed to me. I didn't have to look for it. You appreciate it in a different way, but just by and large, the whole thing, like you, it's something that you work for and pay dues for. I think you have more of a respect for 
And I think that's what we're maybe talking about, like especially in motorcycles. Because I see in tattoo shops, like uh, you see dudes that have been tattooing three months trying to open their own shop. I see these motorcycle shops come out of nowhere and they're, they're here, they come and they're hot for like a year and then they're like seen and heard no more. I've seen changing of the guard in the punk rock scene, the tattoo scene, the motorcycle scene. I've been in this shit forever. Like yeah. and I'm here for life and I've seen it switch so many times. Like, you know well, what I mean? I think that that's like what you get, like, like social media it it's like i'm not shitting on it because it did a lot of good for like things and and there's still a lot of good to it oh but, absolutely but but it does a lot of like bad too to where like you said like somebody like three months into tattooing can open its own tattoo shop because he has x amount of followers right yeah. he can like there was like one person that is like not even into the chopper scene, but it's just like seeing like an, an opportunity to just open like a wholesale like chopper part. It, it's like, to me, that is like, like where I kind of start drawing the line and, and it, it, it is hard to figure out who has like the true kind of like trajectory to where what I want to support, right? And I think that that's like different from each person, obviously. But sure. for me, it's for and, me, and, it's and like, that's an important distinction. It's it's not about like it's not a thing like oh who's real and who's not. It's more about who do I want to support, who do want to, who do I want to give my time, energy, or dollars to. Exactly. So so I I for instance, as you know, right? Like I do not. I called it a steering wheel till like when. Like, you know, and that might be an English problem <laughs> well, too, right? But think, instead I, of a handlebar, I call it a steering wheel. Yeah, I think that's a Dutch, that, that's a Frisian, was it Frisian? Uh, Frisian, That's yeah. a Frisian problem. But it, but it's like, to me, right, like w whenever people are asking, being like, okay, you're into like riding motorcycle. And so I got my first motorcycle when I was like 18, uh, besides like the moped and all of that. Then whenever I moved to the United States, I... I haven't ridden for a long while. And the main reason was, is that my driver license didn't want to like go directly and, and be transferred to a United States thing. Okay. Whenever I have to do a test, I fucking suck. I don't even want to tell you how, how many times I failed my driver's test to where like the per, not the actual driving, but the, 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 the written test, right. To where they were like, do you want to, take it in a different language and i'm like yeah that would be good they're sure. like well we got chinese and i'm like well fuck at this point being like i might as well take it in chinese i don't speak it but like the english test i pat i like failed five times right <laughs> so i didn't like have a motorcycle for like a long while where i'm going to is that like I do not know. I, I didn't build my own motorcycle, right? I have you guys do it. And one of my reasons for supporting, there, there's a few ways that you can support your friends. And if all of us start learning exactly how to fix motorcycles, you'll be out of business at one point, right? Like, I do I have an interest? I want to learn, if I break down the road, I want to learn how to fix that. But anything else, I'm a tattooer. I, I absolutely love tattooing. While I tattoo, why don't I pay my friends to fix my motorcycle so they can actually keep their business alive? And I think that that's like a big thing that like, I'm, I might not express it well, but that's like one of those things that I miss the most, right? In, into 
today's society where it's like tattooing, well, I'll just buy a tattoo machine. I'll do it myself. Turns me out of business eventually, right? If I learn how to fix my motorcycle and upgrade my engine, upgrade my cams like I did, could I on YouTube? I most likely could. I don't want to. I have well, a passion. If you do that, then I'm going to learn fucking tattooing. Well, exactly. Well, you remove the bad <laughs> tattoos that yeah. I do. So, <laughs> but like, I, I I think that that's like a very important thing that like today's days like we're kind of like missing. Like, I in in tattooing specifically, you, you get a lot of clients. So I have like electrician, plumbers, and all of that. Could I fix certain things at my house? I probably can figure it out with today's day, like right, Instagram, Wikipedia, YouTube, it has like a lot of things. But like, once I start doing that, I feel that the crafts that people got into are getting kind of like dumbed down and it's getting harder and harder because you know how hard it is to run a chopper shop, right? Because of all the TV shows and everybody that sees like kind of like the dollar signs wants to start a tattoo shop or like wants to start a chopper like kind of page, start selling like merchandise on there, they might be better at like the social media aspects and all of that. But yeah, I, the difference is though, what I will say that's a little bit different is that um, that was bigger in the 2000s with like the, 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 the chopper TV shows and making people get into bikes and bike business. Like, and there's a difference between the business of building or repairing bikes and the business of being a culture vulture and selling some t-shirts or some bullshit and some, some foibles and okay. yeah. knickknacks and stuff. But that's what you see a lot of nowadays is like these quote unquote lifestyle companies. And it's like, you ain't even involved in the lifestyle motherfucker. I don't even know who you are and I haven't seen you around and you're coming around, but you can make a good website and you can talk a good game online. So you get. Instagram likes or Facebook likes and you get followers and then you get a business supported on it, but it's all a sham. Like who you didn't do nothing for this world or this community. And I yep. think that's the same thing you were talking about with tattoo shops. Some dude's been tattooing three months, opens a tattoo shop. Who the fuck are you to open a tattoo shop? You're probably still a fucking scratcher and yep. you're probably still fucking people up. And and it, it all you did was navigate the system and, and, and benefit from the well, hard and, work. And of, they're better at like that system, right? They're yeah. better at the social media and all of that. While, like you know like other people like work hard for it like I don't always have time to go on social media because I'm actually tattooing I'm producing tattoo flash right I'm running tattoo flash collective I'm running like multiple businesses that like give back into tattooing to me that's where my passion is at so you know I like to support uh, my friends, not only my friends' businesses, but people, like even if I don't know them, but I can feel that they have the passion sure. and they put the years in there being like, I want to support that. I want to give my money while I tattoo. I want to give my money to you so that you can put food on the table for your family. Sure. Um, so, so I, I kind of try and seek that out because Chopperhead is not close to my house by any means, right? It's like, it's not far, but it's an hour and a half. But I would not want anybody else directly to touch my motorcycle because it's like, I know how much time and effort you put into this. Why would I want to give my hard-earned money to anybody else but you guys? Oh, you I, know, so you can put food on the table. And we definitely, I you know, I definitely appreciate that. But well, I, I'm I, a pain in the ass most of the <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, so. but, 
And then you're a Dutch gold motherfucker, right? But, but I mean, I think, you know, the thing that you're saying that's important to kind of sum it up is that it's, it's important um, for you to be able to support people in the worlds that you're involved with that, you know, that you feel like are, are on just like a kinship with because they've have the same respect and love for these things that you do and put in, have put in the time and kind of paid the dues and, 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 and that's who you kind of choose to support. And that's, that's kind of a noble thing. But I think other thing that you said that wasn't kind of important is it's cool because the worlds we're in, we can trade with people like, yeah, I have clients too that like, you know, we sold a bike or fixed a bike for, and he's an electrician. So that's who I call when I need some electrical work and we trade shit. You know what I mean? Like, okay, can you put up these, all these fixtures for me? Yeah, we could probably do it. But why am I going to do it when I got a friend that does it and he's got a electrician, uh, he's a, he's a a electrical contractor. Uh, You come do that and then we'll give you a break and we'll do this for you on your bike and things like that. And that's, that's a cool fucking world to be part of. And that, that's how shit should be, man, because you, you know, what did they call that again? Like whenever you trade, like, uh, like the, like whenever barter barter, I, I miss like, unfortunately, obviously the barter system is not going to pay my mortgage and all of that. But like, I do like the barter system at times. Sure. But be, besides that, like what, like to, to just like strengthen your points, it's like, I think it's like very important for me to just try and like getting around corporate America or corporate, like, like even in Europe, it's happening, right? You have like a little bit more mom and pop shops there, but it's like, if I can support any kind of person that has like put their dedication in there and as actually like really stemming back to almost like the DIY scene, DIY scene, like from back then, that's what I want to support. Sure. You know, um, I'm I'm lucky enough to like when I go to shows like you know even if I can get in for free I'm always trying to being like okay let me at least buy a T-shirt or something like that because I don't know I I think it's very important and I think that maybe if you were never into the DIY scene maybe you don't understand that importance too to actually like support that ten dollars that like you know. I, I get like from a t-shirt or having you order the motorcycle parts rather than me ordering it from Rev, Revzilla, right? Being like, I do, yes, it's hard to get around Revzilla. It's hard around to get Amazon. It's hard around to get Target and all of that. But if I can purchase it for like even slightly more of the price or like mostly the same price and like support actually like a person that is like working hard, like way harder than any other person. Like, cause you and I n- both know we don't have nine to five jobs. You know, I, I start way earlier than nine. I am definitely not done at five o'clock, like not in a long shot. Right. And that's the people that I, I want to support because without that, I would not be able to make a living off tattooing either. If I do not have the people supporting me, I, I couldn't make a living. So as much as I want to, I, I, I'll try and support anybody that does the same kind of like job and, and puts the same amount of passion into like their job. Sure. And, you know, again, like I, I think coming back to where like the, the punk rock, the hardcore and, and the motorcycles and the tattooing that, that goes all together because once you're in it, you do have a lot of passion about it sure. and, and it, it just, it swallows up your time, but you're actually happy to work 12, 13, 14 hours a day because it's something that you love to do as stressful as it can be these days. Yeah. 
So going back to tattooing and going from learning the um, basics and the skill of tattooing. Um, all right, yeah, hold on. Before we before we go into that, let's reach into the bag of fun. There you oh, go. You got a you got a McGillaguddy's. You got a McGillaguddy's uh, uh, menthol. Mint. Menthol. What did I get? Uh, wait. <laughs> I'm cheating. Oh no, I'll do a menthol. Ah, uh, there you go. A cheers. Menthol mint with you. All right, cheers. Open it up. Down the hatch. These are good. Yeah, man. Ooh, that's like Listerine. It is. Let's see if I can make That'll it. cover up your DUI on the way home. Be like, no, yeah. man, just brush my <laughs> teeth. All right. Um, but how did it go for you um, having no art background? So first you learned the skill of tattooing, or the techniques of tattooing, the um, – the, the the you know like the 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 ins and outs of, of of the mechanics of it so you know making your needles you know, when people still made needles I'm assuming yep. you did because that was Starring, the time frame mixing own ink and all of that yeah and and you know how deep to put in and the angles and all that so you went from that and you kind of mastered that and then you kind of learned more to draw is that kind of what happened I, I think so it's like luckily enough I had like enough like people to help me along the way to where I was learn from their mistakes to being like okay the technical aspect is something that you need to have down before you have like you know like if you don't have the drawing aspect and you start your tattoo there was enough like a flash going around back then still like to where people wanted, right? If you want to have a rose with a banner, there is so much flash with roses and banners that like if a person cannot pick out of those 20, like it's not going to be that much difference. So I think that by like tracing it and I I think the, the way that I got better at tattooing, not even the technical aspect, but the, the drawing aspect is to just like repetitive, repetitive, repetitive. So it's like I would have a month where I wouldn't focus on anything else. I wouldn't draw anything else but roses. I would just draw roses. And then the next month I would just draw skulls, like your main subjects into tattooing that like you kind of have to have down. Um so it was kind of, you had to discipline yourself to sit there and be like, I'm sure. Really train that day muscle 20, kind of like yeah. thing. And I'm sure day 25 of that month, you were like, I don't want to draw another fucking rose in my life. But you forced yourself to kind of push through and keep doing that. And not even that, but it couldn't even be the same rose. Like, you know, like I, I would I would draw roses on a page, like, and you would directly go back to like the really simplified kind of like stuff like Sailor Jerry, Joe Lieber, any of these like old tattooers that did it where it was just like really simple. If you have that simplicity down, that's like when you can start like branching out. I am still very much of a reference tattooer. Uh, I couldn't draw you an elephant like out of memory, but I can definitely find nowadays it's the internet, right? But like definitely in, in books and all of that, you find like that position of a picture or like an old art piece or anything like that. And that's like where I can make like a tattoo out of. I think the more you do that, the more you get better at like eventually creating your own kind of like version of that like reference piece and that's like when you're not just like making the same tattoo that everybody else does but you start to kind of have like a signature kind of thing right to where like somebody can see a tattoo and being like that must be johannes because x y and z 
And I think that that takes like actually quite a while to to kind of like get. Sure. And how, that's like where the hard work comes in. Yeah. Like that's like where like hours upon hours upon hours of painting and drawing comes in. And how long do you think that took you to to from where you first started, um, and where where you were doing flash at first to the point where you got to that point where you were like had your own level of of of, of one comfortability in drawing yeah. and, and to your own kind of style. I think that obviously you progress as a tattooer or as an artist, you progress more and more. I'm sure that's the same in the chopper scene, right? You build one one bike, 10 years later, you look at it and you're like, yeah. oh, I should have done this and this and oh, this yeah. different. If we don't get better, we might as well quit, right? So I think that when I started getting more comfortable at like people coming in that wanted to have something not on the wall, was probably right around the time when I was in Los Angeles. So that was like four years, three, four, five years in kind of thing. Um, besides like some of the tattoos that I did, but like a, a good three or four years in of like everyday hard, hard working and drawing a ton to where it was like, okay, I can actually tackle this. Sure. Um, even if it was just as simple as like taking a flash piece as like your reference and changing it up enough. Right. Like that's like, I think like a very important process where you take those old like images, do a really rough sketch on it and then like, don't even look at it anymore and start like creating your own, just being like, okay, I don't want to make like just a cheap copy of this person. I want to kind of like start creating my own, but I have the bases down. I think that was like about four to five years in. And then obviously she started progressing and progressing and progressing in tattooing, I don't know if this is the same in, in, in choppers, but like in tattooing, you definitely have your time frames to where like doing roses this style was like really popular in the 2005s, right? Yeah. And doing roses this way was like really popular there. Um, to a certain extent, you still have that, but I think that now I'm like, okay, where I'm at now, like I'm, I'm comfortable enough now to where I can make slight little changes, but my roses probably are not going to change drastically anymore to where you saw like a rose from me 10 years ago. It's completely different than now. I think that the roses you see now in 10 years are not going to change as much as those first 10 years kind of thing. Sure. Um, you learn a lot too from seeing your stuff come back, obviously, and tattooing. Like there were certain things that like I was doing and I saw the tattoo come back seven years later, and I'm like, what the fuck? I got to change this up a little bit because as, like, lines, like, expand and all of that. So it's, it's like, a funny thing to see when, you know, the younger tattooers, like, they like that really big, fat outline because it looks cool. But if you see that 10 years later, that big, fat outline is a really big, fat outline. And, and on the converse, there's also the people that put no outlines and they want all that photorealistic stuff. And that's going to be a mishmash. You oh, got to kind of bigger fucking nightmare that. <laughs> but I, I think that as a tattooer, it's, it's like very important. And I, I think that that's almost like in any kind of like like uh, work that you have in any kind of craft. It's like learn from your mistakes like that. You make mistakes is is like almost a given. Right. And in tattooing, I never like call it directly a mistake because it's just that's the way I did it like five years ago. I'm doing it different now. And the reason why I'm doing it different is because I saw stuff come back. And 
that is coming back to like somebody that's been tattooing for three years. They don't know that yet. Like, it, it, I think that like if you have less than four or five years of tattooing under your belt, you're you're green. You're like you're a newbie. You yeah. don't know yet. Every now and then, I have to come back on that because it, with the information available right now, it is absolutely insane. Uh, coming back to the iPad, it's like holy fuck. You know, it's like you can just like chains like you can lay out a back piece on like one of those ipad things like so easy if a client comes in being like yeah i want that eagle or that rose a little smaller you just go how about that you know it's like whereas i had to go back to the drawing table and be like fuck this motherfucker i gotta change this whole fucking drawing up just because of a goddamn rose you know like it's crazy No, i get it and 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 i think the reason why i even brought that up is because i watched dan Dan Tantillo, he's a yep. tattooer here. He's been tattooing for 20-something years. He's been tattooing actively since he was 16. He's been a tattooer since he was 16. He was working in a shop at 16. And he's got years and years under his belt of drawing. So for him, I think it's a interesting tool because he he has so much background in drawing and he's done all that shit, like all the work like you've done years and years. Like, okay, you want to change that? you got to redraw the whole fucking thing. And, yep. You know, and now you got two hours into drawing something before you even started the tattoo. Um, in an experienced hand of someone like you or someone like him, that looked like a cool tool because he can just change things on the fly. And when he draws something on the iPad, it actually looks like a drawing. It doesn't because he's got that so much muscle memory in that. That he can actually translate that into an iPad. Yeah, and yep. he and he knows how to use the brushes right and, and the things. And he still actively draws and paints on the side. But um but like, you know, in the daily use now, when people come in and they want to change it, he does more of the stuff. Or sometimes he'll draw it by hand first, then trace, then then scan that or trace it and do other I've things. I see people do that yeah. actually. Like draw it on paper, take a picture of it and yeah. then clean it up. Yeah. I go the other way around. <laughs> I do the quick little sketch on the iPad, can change everything. And then I actually put a tracing paper yeah. over it, and then I'll loosen things up. That's the up cool the thing about around. these things. They're yeah. tools to use. Like, you know, the way I weld might be different than the way someone else welds and vice versa. But, uh, you know, with, with motor- bringing it to motorcycle shit. But I just thought it was a kind of a cool innovation as a tool for experienced tattoo artists. I wouldn't want to be a dude just learn on that. Like, because yeah. that feels like cheating. That's like when dudes learn to be a DJ and they learn scratching and it's right on the CDs <laughs> or the electric thing. They never even touch the vinyl or, you know, anything like that. Like, and I, I think, think, think you, it's a very important thing to just yeah. go back to those roots. Learn the fundamentals. It, exactly. You got to learn the fundamentals, then use the new shit to your advantage. Yep. And I think there's definitely a, um, I don't even know why we're on this. I'm not getting paid by iPad or any of these fucking things, no, but, it's, but it's just I, I an interesting it's like thing. Um, it's like iPad. I, I think that there's a lot of differences. And, and, and you know, it's like hard sometimes because I, I think that we put so much like passion and so much hard work into the tattooing or into like bike building or anything like that to where we're at now. It, it, it's crazy to think that like we as tattooers, like we, you know, we don't have to like mix our own inks anymore. It's a fucking mess. Like you have like freaking pigment in your nose for like fucking months afterwards, <laughs> right? It sucks. If I can just go to a tattoo supply company and buy an ink that is pre-mixed already and ready to go, why not? Like and, same and as like good, machines, right? Like as like the cartridge machines, the rotary machines, the iPad. If you If you think of any craft, like, right, like, Plumbers are not using the same tools as in the 80s. Shit has progressed, so they use it. So I have nothing really against, like, the new 
kind of like things that make like tattooing a lot easier. I think that it is like, if you really truly have passion for it, it is, it is nice to know where things started. doesn't mean that you have to like do your own needles anymore, but understand where it came from that the people before you, and I still had it easy, right? Because I started it like fucking, I, I, I started piercing in 99, in 1999, uh, tattooing in 2004. Um, I, had it a lot easier than somebody starting in the eighties or something like that. Um, I, I, I still think it's important to know and look back of like where the people that paved the way before you, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to know the complete history, but understand where it comes from and respect where it comes from, because that allows you for the people that paved your way that allows you actually to, use a cartridge system or buy like, you know, ink, just like you, you need new ink. You just go on a website, you type in a supply company and you just have ink like two days, three days later on your doorstep, you know? But if you don't know where that process comes from, I think that like you do not really respect or can truly like appreciate the craft that you're into. Sure. And it just seems to me like, and I'm not a tattooer. I, I do the laser removal, but I, I'm a partner in a tattoo shop with my boy. You've been Ryan. around yeah, long enough. Yeah, I've been around forever. And, 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 uh, and, um, and uh, you know, just one of the things I think of in the, in the tattoo world is if you know how to make a needle, you're going to know what a good needle is, or you're going to know the type of needle that you, you want to use better because you, and you understand what goes into it, the making. Yeah. It. Or the ink. Like if, even if you're not making your own ink, if you knew what went into it, you're going to better, you're going to know better what a good ink is when you try it. And you're going to know better probably how to mix colors or do things. Yep. You know what I mean? Cause you, cause you know the fundamentals of it and, 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 and the, you know, the basic building blocks of it. And you're going to use that into your trade or, yep. or apply it into your 100%. I, I think that if you're really passionate about what you're doing, it is nice to learn like the history and, and what went on before it. I don't retain information very well. So if you ask me exact timelines or exact names and all of that, I've heard of them, but I don't really like soak up that information, right? It's like my internal storage is full. There is only so much that I can still like <laughs> retain. Um, you got to get rid of some old stuff well, to put I some gotta, new stuff in? But yeah. I got about 256 gigabyte of like storage in my brain and it's about 254 that it's like full, you know? So, but, but I think that like, I'm, I'm not directly shitting on anybody new coming into the scene, uh, in, into either tattooing or, or like being at hardcore, but like know what came before you. And if you, I think you can appreciate, you don't have to go back to the old ways, but I think you can actually appreciate what you're doing like a lot more, right? If you know how hard it was and the struggles that tattooers or, or chopper builders or hardcore people came through, that we couldn't just go on shop or Spotify and find like all these new bands. If you know what went into it, that we actually went through Tankless. I remember like the thankless of like Spirit 84, the that scene stars that I played in, there were certain bands that like we were friends with that we listed in the thanks list because we wanted them to get recognized and their name out. Sure. 
right? It's like, because like you said before, like we, we touched base, it's like, I would go, I would like get like a sick of it all record or a biohazard record and go through a tank list and being like, oh my God, they thank this man. Let me go check him out. I couldn't go on the internet. Like that was not even like when that really annoying, like fucking dial up connection was around. I would have to ask the record store owner being like, hey, here's a thank list. Here are some bands, which are actually some of these bands that you can get. And he was like, well, like, no, I can get this one, this one, this one, and this one by next Wednesday. So I was like, bingo, next Wednesday, I'll come and I'll listen to it and I'll either buy the CD or not. But I knew that I was like listening to them. And I think that if you are aware of that, you can like start appreciating like the easiness of like stuff now, right? It's like, Tattoo Flash, for instance, you can just purchase, right? You can almost take a screenshot of like whatever on Instagram. There's so much information. Or, or Pinterest. Like, well, Pinterest. <laughs> so I, 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 hated, I hated Pinterest for so long till I learned how to Pinterest. Pinterest is amazing. I tell my clients now, if you do not know how to find proper like tattoo reference now, you're an idiot. Because there is so much. But yeah, if you type in like Dreamcatcher tattoo, I there's clients coming into the shop that want to have a tattoo and I'm like, you know, walk-in wise, because I still do walk-ins. They I'm like, come back at two o'clock. They're like, Do you want me to send a reference? And I'm like, Don't worry, I know I can find it. And I just type in Bert on a fucking wire, right? <laughs> and it's within the two first pages of like Sure. of like Instagram or like Google or Pinterest kind of search, right? I I think that if you know where it all came from, you can start utilizing like tools like Pinterest or Instagram to your advantage. But like, if that's the only thing you ever knew, you're missing out. You're no. missing out on a great passion on like, not only like motorcycle building, not only like tattooing, like any kind of subculture, you're missing out a lot because there's so much more information than Pinterest or Instagram out there. I know. Let me, I'm going to just tell you two things that as not even as a tattooer, but just someone who respects tattooing and has been around it for decades, two things that really piss me off. And these are two types of customers. It seems to be dwindling a little more lately, but one of them does. The, and the reason why I brought up Pinterest and laughed is the, the, the person who comes in with his cell phone. <laughs> and then the first question is how much for this? Yeah. How Being much like what for your phone? How much for this? And then the picture of like, you know, a stupid like 40 line quote on someone's ribs on, on Pinterest or whatever. And then the second thing that really is a telltale sign for me, it, it, and, and it kind of piggybacks off that is um, people come into the shop and they don't even look at people's portfolios anymore. It's just how much it's yep. price shoppers. I'm yep. Like, dude, which to me, as devil's advocate, as a guy who does laser removal, I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Go to the shittiest shop Bing, so you can get your $30 bingo. tattoo, and then you're going to be paying a lot more money when you come see me to fucking have it lasered to lighten up or remove it. Yeah. But it's so weird now, because I remember the first thing I would do going into a tattoo shop when I was younger, um, it's just, and if I was somewhere I didn't know anybody, I'd be like, oh, can I see the, the portfolios? And you check out people's work, you know what I mean? And people don't even do that anymore. They don't even give a shit. They just, I don't even have my portfolio on in the shop anymore. Yeah, they're just, it's how much? Just how much for this? Yep. 
You know what I mean? And it's like, well, they don't even go on Instagram or anything. It's just literally the question is how much. It's like that is the last thing you should be worried about when you're getting a tattoo. And yep. to me, if you if that's your prime concern, you probably shouldn't be getting a tattoo. You probably need to be putting that money in other things that are more productive yep. for your life. Because if the, if literally the cost is the prime factor. You, well, it's either that or Yelp know. reviews, right? Because yeah. like, like that's the thing. It's like we, we, like I'm, I'm at Good Faith Tattoo, like right by BU campus. Yeah. And, um, I, I have a, a like my clientele is amazing. Like they're absolutely amazing. The people that I seek out, but the walk-ins, it's exactly that. Like people would just like come in and we would ask them being like, how did you get to us? Being like, oh, you guys were closest or you guys had the highest reviews. Being like, well, did you see any of our work? And the answer is always like, oh, no. So it like it definitely switched a lot. To me, I think where I, I was lucky enough to get like a lot of training into the tattooing world is if, you you should be able and and this is getting like harder and harder to do but you should be able to turn that customer even if it's not that first tattoo you should be able to turn that customer into a proper tattoo customer within their first second or third tattoo if you know how to do proper bedside manners and all of that what do you what do you define proper tattoo customer I, I think so so proper tattoo customer is somebody that just like is like, hey, I'm presenting you like an, an an idea that I have and I trust you to all the ability. Proper in 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 like motorcycle terms, I would almost say being like, hey, listen, this is my budget that I have. I wanna build a bobber. You built these things. I don't. I can show you one or two pictures that I like in tattooing as well, being like, I want to have a tiger tattoo. These are like four or five images that I like. These like spike my interest. Do your thing. Do your thing with it within that like realm of like thing, you know, like th that. that's almost like me coming to you being like, you know, it's like we, we talked about it. Like I do want to build like a chopper, chopper, bobber kind of like thing. What I will do is like just being like, hey, here's three pictures of like motorcycles that I like, right? This is my budget. You go at it. This is what you're good at. I'm not good at it. I can tell you what I like. I can tell you what I don't like. I do not know how to fucking build it. Like you do your thing because you're somewhere proud of that, right? So in the tattooing world, being like what I try to tell my customers is like, I hate to say... I try never to say no, which is getting harder and harder, especially with your walking clientele, right? But like sometimes you have to give people their first tattoo, which is like a Bible tribal on their fucking like ribs, you know? You you warn them about the dangers of like that, of how tattooing like, you know, goes over like the years. And you tell them like, this is like giving like, away like a lot of like the things that I, that I think like make you like a strong like walk-in tattooer I would love to tattoo you but you have to trust me that like I've made a lot of mistakes in the years let's please not go back to those mistakes and let me do what I know that works if you trust me enough I give you a good tattoo 
if you don't trust me, maybe I am not the right guy to do it. And that like opens a lot. Some people go for it, some people don't. So I actually send out a lot of clients that at times being like, I am not your guy. I can send you to other people. If you want me to tattoo you, this is what I've learned from the, like, the last 15, 16 years in tattooing. This is what works. This is what my abilities are. If you want to get tattooed by me, I will make you the best tattoo that I can today. But like you have to let loose of like the Pinterest interest or the Pinterest or whatever reference that you send me because that is not working. And that is probably the hardest thing in tattooing today is to really try and let your people like kind of let loose and sure. just like, like let me do your thing. Let me do my thing. You know, why would you want a tattoo? That's the same thing that some other motherfucker already got. You know what I mean? That's what I, to, to me, when, when we were younger, yeah, there was a lot of flash. So I get that. But, you know, a big thing in coming out of the 90s or whatever is just more custom work and custom yep. work. and what. But the, the thing is, don't you think nowadays that like flash is almost way more customized and way more interesting than what you find on Google? Sure. Because oh, absolutely. If, if, if you have the first base on Google, the fifth image, Anybody in the world can Pinterest the same thing. Yeah. You know, bird on a wire is not that hard to type in, and you only get X amount of images. If you pick flash off the walls today, and that's like when, when like not to do like some self-promotion, but like the whole tattoo flash collective that, that, that I run, we wanted to be a, a new updated reference source and properly designed like images of like, stuff that like people would be interested in. Sure. And I, I always tell clients being like, oh, I don't want to have flash because it's on somebody's or it, it might be on somebody else. I'm like, well, you're picking like the fifth image of a Google that anybody can like find at this point. It's like what you want. I respect your opinion. I respect that that's what you want. But this is far, far from like interesting and original like some of the flash that we have on the walls is only at the shop. It's only painted for that purpose. And it maybe is only on the walls of like three or four tattoo shops. Cause you know, granted that I, I paint a lot of flash and I send it all over the world. Like, you know, people purchase it. There's always flash that I always like paint that is only for our shop or for some of the friend shop. That is way more original than anything that you find on the internet. So I think that like Flash is going to start having like a little bit of a comeback because of that, because it's more interesting and it's tattooable instead of what you find on Pinterest. And I also think there's a camaraderie because I find that a lot of artists like to collaborate on Flash or like trade Flash and it's a currency like, oh, I'll draw you some Flash. I'll send you a sheet. You send me a sheet, you know, yeah. and it's cool because it also shows like a, a kinship or, or something in the tattoo world. And I'm glad you started bringing this up because that was the next thing I was going to bring up is, you know, talk to me a little bit about your 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 flash company and and what you're doing with that and is it just your flash or do you do you distribute flash from other artists it's from other artists so it it started off as i i think that i always had a love for flash because when i started tattooing i knew where my limitations were as like an artist so i drew a lot of inspiration from flash because now 
I could all of a sudden find certain flash pages. And, and I always had a huge interest into finding the original reference that like that flash piece came from, right? Like if you look at like Sailor Jerry's flash, a lot of that stuff came from like old advertisings, old postcards and all of that stuff. And I always thought it was like the most interesting thing to find being like, okay, now I have this like, I'm just like mentioning Sailor Jerry because he's like probably one of the biggest like names, right? In the traditional tattooing, where did he get that stuff from? Did he think of this? Did he fucking smoke a blunt or did he drink a whole like bunch of Magali's and like came up with these images? Actually, no, he found like proper reference and made it a tattooable image. And I always had a huge interest in that is uh, once I found like old circus posters where like most of the tigers like came from, now I had instead of like that flash piece of like an interpretation of that artist, now I had the original kind of like image and now I could make my interpretation of that. So whenever I, I wanted to start like the Tattoo Flash Collective was that like there was so much flash around like from like artists all over the world that was so good and had so much like potential to stop a little bit of like the Pinterest kind of thing, showing the picture being like how much. I wanted to start something to where you could purchase like tattoo flash at a single sheet instead of like a set. Cause many times it's like, as you know, it's like, like maybe you've seen the guys or you purchase yourself, you buy a book. It has 200 pages of flash in there. 150 of those pages you just never use. And you only have like 50. So I was like, I'd rather buy the 50 sheets at the same price than have 150 sheets, what I don't even know what to do with. Um, I am a big advocate of like teaching customers the importance of flash. And the best way of doing that is to basically start a company and offer like some of the best flash collection that today has to offer. Um, Little did I know that it would get like way bigger than I thought it did. And now I basically have a second job on the side because it takes so much as like many of our projects do. Um, we're, we're selling all over the world. I think we have over 1500 pieces of flash right now, plus books, plus prints from like tattooers all over the world. Um, that we can just like send to tattooers and not only to tattooers, a lot of our customers are tattoo enthusiasts that find that certain image that they like. They purchase that piece of flash and actually bring it into a tattoo shop and being like, I purchased this flash. This is the tiger that I want to get. And uh, if I can contribute, so there's a lot of time involved, very little money as far as like profit. But this is like for me giving back into the tattooing that gave me so much, right? I think that that's like one thing that's, that, that's like very important that we touch base on many times just in our day-to-day -day conversations is like, I, I don't know if the proper term is like leeches or if that's like a very bad term, but it's like, I don't want to... I don't want to only take from tattooing. I want to give something back. And if that means that there is not much profit to gain, 
that is fine. I want to leave. If I if I leave this world, people don't directly need to remember like Johannes Black Stallion, right? They don't. I, I don't. I don't care about that name. But if I can give back a little bit to tattooing, that like I'm like getting other people's artwork out and getting Flash to be an accepted form of like tattoo reference again, that would be my greatest pleasure in 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 life. That that would truly like be like okay, I am giving back to tattooing because it gave so much to me. Not in dollar amounts, not in euro amounts. It's just like something that I'm like, okay, I can put my timestamp on there. And this is something that I created. This is something that I give back to the tattoo world. Same as like, you know, it's like you you guys are doing with Chopperhead, right? Like it's like you give so much back. It's like I I, I always tell my friends in 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 like the Netherlands or or anywhere, it's like Chopperhead, the reason why, and, and this might be like a whole like commercial kind of thing, but it's like the reason why I come back to Chopperhead, it's not just because we get along and we have a lot in common. It's because you give back to the chopper scene and to the hardcore scene so much more than what you get. Like the full speed ahead shows, I know it takes so much time to like do that, but I recognize from like my passion in tattooing of how much you actually put time into it to where it doesn't fill your pockets. You know, sometimes people like think that, right? Being like, oh, you do full speed ahead, you must make really a lot of money. Heck no, motherfucker. I barely fucking break <laughs> even. But it's something that you love, that you're passionate about, and that you can just have, right? Like when we go to like the full speed ahead shows, you can... I don't know. I don't know if it's other people too, but like, because I'm in that same boat, I can feel that love and that like passion in it. And that is way more than any kind of dollar amount that is to it. And, and, and to come back to why I want to support small businesses like that, it's because if we lose that, we're losing towards corporate America more and more and more. And and we're losing to people that are getting into a subculture to make a quick buck. Money is important. You need to pay rent. I need to pay rent. I need to put food on the table. But if money becomes the only source of like reasoning for you to start something, that is when I think we're losing like a big part of like a passion no, in, in like subculture. And and that is something that like with Tattoo Flash Collective, I'm like, okay, what can I do? Because it's also just as an aside, it's, it's, it's pretty dumb because if you get into motorcycles, especially in New England or tattooing and stuff, because you want to make money, like you, you're better off trying to like, if your only directive in doing something is to make money, you're way better off putting your time, efforts, and resources into something like being involved in the stock market or some shit like that 100%. or business or something. It's because a 6% return, you <laughs> guarantee, right? Yeah, like, but, yeah. you know, it's a very dumb business to be in, build motorcycles <laughs> in New England in winter, you know what I mean? Yep. It's fucking stupid. But it's like you said, you love it. Like, I, you, you, you the, tat, the love you have for tattooing, I have that love for motorcycles and punk rock. And even tattooing, even though I'm not a tattoo artist, it's just a respect I have. But... Um, as far as as the things go with with 
with oh, just an aside, you gotta make a you gotta do a MAGA hat, but like make Flash great again hat. Oh shit! <laughs> just there, there's a little, and before some motherfucker steals that, that's that's <laughs> you Johannes. cannot. That is like mine now yeah. because that's the tattoo Truth gave it to me. Tattoo Flash Collective as the first writer refusal on I that. I like it. I'll send an email to my merch guy like today. Make Flash like, great again. Yep. But but uh, besides that, like um. You, you know something that you you hit on. Uh, uh, I didn't know where I was going. I, yeah, it's time for another. It's time for another. Um, it's time for another. Oh, we're oh, doing some fireball. Fireball. Time for another nip. Damn, cinnamon whiskey. Cinnamon. Cin- cinnamon. Cinnamon. Cinnamon yeah. whiskey. All right. Cinnamon. Cheers, my friend. Always but, smooth. I think. Ooh. <laughs> How would someone get involved if if someone wanted to get involved with the uh, had Tat- some flash and tattoo flash to- collective? So first, it, it was like a, a lot easier, obviously, because I I still think till today I know about ninety percent of the artists like involved. Or if I don't know or haven't met them in person, I always make sure that I introduce myself that we get to know each other because I think that that's like a very very important part of like like a business like Tattoo Flash Collective. Um, I always made it a thing that I don't care how many followers you have. I don't care if you've been tattooing 10 years or two years or two months. If you make proper flash and you have a passion for it, and I can kind of fit. It's, it's really weird to, to say that, like, you know... <laughs> Once you, maybe, maybe this is, you tell me if this is different, but in, in like, like motorcycling, right? Like if you see a chopper built, can you distinct two choppers from like being like, this guy went for the money and just did what is popular on Instagram. And this is like, it's, it's because in flash, I feel that like, the, the motorcycles, it's a little different because someone might be limited by budget or time constraints or things. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah. yeah, you can you can tell. But but, you, you but, can, but but just by in general, what I would say is that like with companies or people that are involved in the motorcycle industry, it's pretty easy to pick out who's in it for life or who's in it who's in it just for, for a quick, quick buck. buck. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but as far as bikes go, it's such personal taste. That it's it's a little hard, yeah, but it, by and large, yeah. Sometimes you can tell, like, all right, this guy's just been looking at what's cool and is trying to cater to everything, or this guy's taking things in a different direction, or this guy's doing his, has his own vision. But bikes are so personal, like you know well, what I mean. True. Like, but I mean, tattooing is personal too, yeah, right? But no, maybe absolutely. tattoo flash. So, so look, one of the things that I like in tattoo flash, right? It's like one of the reasons why I think every tattooer should learn how to tattoo or, or paint flash, right? In Tattoo Flash Collective, we made a decision to not accept any digital art at the moment, like art made on an iPad. And one of the main reasons for that is, it's like, excuse me, that was a cinnamon. <laughs> um, Rinto, um, who I see like as well, like one of my main like inspirations of tattooing because he's been tattooing like I think it's 36 years now. If I can still have that much passion for like the tattooing in 36 years, I, I would 
I would absolutely love that. I, I think that that's the main goal, being like, if you can have that much passion, right? He always told me, never paint better than what you can tattoo. The biggest problem with me is with iPad Flash is that you can make it look better and non-realistic to where you can never tattoo that. So a client, no matter how good they know tattoos, they can see the difference from what is on the wall and what got on their skin, right? So we made it a we made it a thing to where we don't accept any digital made flash. Just because I feel that if you have the passion for flash, this is something that I could come back on in a couple of years. Cause because as like things progress, as things evolve, you know, I am I'm not a I, I, I hate to say Tasha would kill me if I say this, but like I'm not a very well-educated person. I'm, I'm a street smart person, right? I learned from my experiences and all of that. So it's I can- just, It's just a different education. Well, there's a lot of, there's well, a lot of book smart, like there's a lot of book smart people that wouldn't last a second on the fucking street. You well, know what I mean? True. So, yeah. so you could, so if you saw them, it's just a matter of where you are in the environment. If you saw them on the street, be like, you're not yeah. a very educated person. You're so about to get jacked. I, I can easily be persuaded being like, if, if you make a compelling argument to why tattoo flash made on an iPad should be able to enter tattoo flash collective. I, I I yet have to find a person that explains it to me in a certain way, but I, I could be persuaded like in a couple of years to being like, okay, this actually made sense. As but, long but as it is possible to do it. But like to me, it's like if you like flash painting, you should take a damn brush and learn yeah. how to spit shade. If you don't know how to spit shade, come to my shop. I'll teach you how to spit shade because I, I just flew to Tampa actually to do like a... Uh, it wasn't a seminar as far as like being like me in front of a classroom. It was just, we were sitting at a small, big table. If you have any questions, let me know. And we were just painting. And it was like one of the nicest things that I've, I've done in a long time to where I don't care if you've been tattooing for 10 years or for like 10 months, right? Like you wanted to know how to paint. This is like a big aspect of like tattooing that like, I think I got good at tattooing because of flash painting. So um, I might have lost my train of thought here, but I, I, I think that if you wanted as a tattooer to become involved in Tattoo Flash Collective, again, I don't care how many followers you have on Instagram and all of that. If I can feel the passion and you actually did it, obviously we have to have like a proper selection of like Flash and all of that. So we... The, the bigger we grow, the more submissions we get and the more we have to deny, which I kind of hate because I, I want everybody to be involved, but we need to, we're, we're a company, we need to like, you know, make sure that we have like stuff, right? And not only that, there's only so much time in the day and it's it's not your primary, you're not a flash, like that's not your primary job. You're a tattooer, you're doing yeah. this on the side. If, if you wanted to turn it into a big corporation, not a corporation, but if a bigger company where you had like seven people helping you and curating the flash and putting it out then it's one thing but it's kind of you right it, it's it's me and my friend kent and then our printer day that like does it and that's it like we're all like very involved it's a very small company that kind of like grew up a little too big and now we're all like fuck <laughs> like we have way too much like work on our hands but i but it's a Coming labor back of love. To so. it, it, it's a labor of love. And and I think that that like what like mainly comes back to me. I have no problems with 
I might have personal problems into like what tattooing has become, right? I might have a personal problem of like what I see in like the motorcycle world, in the punk rock scene that like everything becomes so easy and you don't really have to work for it anymore. Not that I'm saying like, oh, like, you know, like back in the days, like, you know, but it it, it is important to know the privileges you have today. And, and, and for me, mainly it, that that's like in tattooing. Right. Um, I, I think it's very important for people to understand. It's like support your local tattooer, support your local chopper shop, support your local, like hardcore and punk bands, because that is important because the, not minute, only the bands, the venues, the, the, the venues, the, 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 the promoters, everything, the, right? Like around everything. Yeah. And, and, and it's hard because like, you know, it's, it's much so, so when, when me and Tasha like moved to Boston, um, I, it, it took me a while, like from like moving to the United States, right. To, to like being in California, everything was like, it, it's fucking California. You know, it's like, you have beach, you have Baywatch, fucking Pamela Anderson, motherfucker. You know, it's like, it's like a big, like Disneyland kind of thing. And then like, Three and a half years in, four years in, I, I'm, I'm really bad with my timelines, but like we moved to fucking Boston, Massachusetts, and, yeah, and right? Boston's just like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, we moved to Boston, Massachusetts, and somehow I have never felt more at home. Like, I, I, I think that if it wasn't for Boston, I, I like the United States, so I'm, I'm not talking shit on the United States, but I think if it wasn't for Boston, Massachusetts, I most likely would have moved back to Europe. Just because that's where my roots are, that's where my family is, right? I came here with a backpack and that was it. Um, Boston, Massachusetts, the reason why it felt like home was not only because it's kind of like a European city, it was directly what got submerged in this like, you know, subculture of like hardcore. I already knew about Boston hardcore, right? I knew about Slapshot. I knew about Negative FX. I knew about Jerry Kitts. I knew about Blood for Blood. I knew about all these bands. We came in, uh, McGreevy's, back in the days. That's like where I met Colin and all of that. And that's where I met Craig. And Craig, um, American War Machine, Slapshot, Agnostic Front, uh, Only Living Witness. He became a very good friend and... I realized that like the subcultures are are very important to me. It, it's it's like a very important aspect of my life to where I came to this city where we we me and Tasha really knew nobody. Like nobody. I still remember that we were in the Netherlands and we went to the Ballwerk and Snake which somehow like it kind of like had its up and downs and street dogs was playing. And I was talking to uh, Mike, like the front man and me and Tasha were like, Hey, we're in Los Angeles, but we're moving to Boston. Do you have any suggestions? And he actually suggested like going to McGreevy's Tasha got a job there as a bartender. I landed a job at pumpkin tattoo and Somehow it, it took me a while to feel at home, but the the reason why I started feeling at home was the subcultures, was the subculture of like punk and hardcore. That was our first like introduction. And what better place than Boston? Maybe New York. Um, 
but like it was directly like we felt like we had a connection there. Um, tattooing later on, like, you know, motorcycles and all of that. And I think that like a reason why I started feeling at home in Boston is because of being able, because people supported me in the tattooing world, I was able to support my friends into the punk rock, hardcore, uh, tattooing and, and chopper world. And I, I address it again and again. It, it, to me, it's like, Times have changed and DIY is not as DIY anymore as, as as it used to be, as like what you and I were used to, you know, when was the last time we printed off flyers, you know, like, I mean, we uh, like, literally last week for the, for the winter moto expo, I was, and, I was at uh, Staples making the cup, making see, the copies and, awesome. and cutting them and stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah. And, and, and that's like awesome. And, and, and I, I, th I think that like, not to like, how, how, do, how do you fucking call that? Like fucking brown nosing or putting a fucking, like a feather up your ass, like whatever we call it in Holland, right? Like <laughs> that, That's not a very American you're like, statement yo, yet. Like, you, that, you stay away from weird. my ass, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know? But it, it's like, you could, I, I felt that passion in like the Boston hardcore scene, like the Boston punk rock scene. It, it, it's hard today's days because I remember in tattooing as well, where you would have flyers and if you were slow, you would go to campus or you would go to downtown crossing and you would have a person there like handing out flyers. Nowadays, you just pay $40 for Instagram ad and there you go, right? And that's like one thing that I understand that's a necessity, but appreciate the people that still do it the old DIY sure, no. way. And, and you know, the thing is we've been talking a lot about like how things were and blah, 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 but it's, it's not a thing against new kids getting into it. It's just not I, at all. I like to talk about it. So kids get a sense of what it used to be like so that they might not understand that. And that, oh. you know, if you grew up in an internet, always having internet or having phones and devices, you might not understand that. So maybe you look into things a little more and have a different appreciation for it. But one thing about Boston, which is, is interesting to me is that everyone thinks Boston's a pretty cold city. It's no, it's just in Boston, real recognizes real. And if you're cool and you're coming from a good place and in a pure place and a, a place where of, of passion and, and real commitment to things, people are going to take, take you in. If, if you come in with some bullshit, you're going to, you're not going to stay fucking long. Cause and, and people that's what pull I your like. card and kick you the fuck right, right the fuck out, right? Oh, one hundred percent. And and I think that that's like why I I got like I felt like more and more over the years that like being like okay, I, if if you know me, I hate fucking winters, right? I hate winters. But when I lived in California, I missed the four seasons. As a Dutch person, a freezing person. Mm -hmm. We like to complain about weather, right? It's like weather is always sucks. It's too so, hot, so you're perfect it's too for New wet, England because like thing, it's like perfect. You know, that's all like, New England does is complain yeah, about the weather, even exactly. though it changes every twelve minutes. We we <laughs> still complain. But it's like I I think it's like the reason why I felt at home is like not only because of the people that we met right through like the whole hardcore scene through like McGreevy's and all of that. I felt that like being like if you fucking bullshit they will call you out on your bullshit. And that's a very European way. Like I, I, I truly felt that like I landed somewhere in the United States that was closest to Europe 
that like I I could kind of imagine. And thank God for subcultures. That's that's why I'm a big advocate of like again like supporting subcultures because fuck corporate America, fuck corporate Europe, fuck those corporate like things. You can't get around Amazon. It's like nearly impossible. But the, like when you can, it, and you said a get good a thing. fuck around it. Get around it, yeah. right? Like being like. You know how much of a pain in the ass I have been about my like handlebars. <laughs> instead of like instead of like being like, okay, just go on to the like the next big thing, it's like being like, okay, let's actually find like certain like subcultures, certain like people that are still making it out of their garages and yeah. all of that. And if I can put my hard-earned money into that, no matter what subculture that is, either it being like uh, uh, like punk, hardcore, or or like you know tattooing. I want to support that. I want to support the the people that like don't work the railing nine to five job. Guar- like even if your hours at the shop or anywhere could be nine to five, you know that you and I will never be a nine to five no, kind of like no job. Way. Like there's just no way because like honestly, I go home tonight. The first thing, unfortunately, the like that I have to do is like I just like go and promote my businesses on like Instagram, right? Or I'll go and like paint tattoo flash. I or even just check emails and or check emails and or just and do all business shit. Yeah, you know, I I'm. It's like funny that I actually send a lot of postcards out. So I still till today just like pick a friend that is at X tattoo shop and just send the postcard out. Just like those little kind of things that are like, or flash, right? Like I gave you a pack of flash being like, dude, like here's a pack of my flash. Please have it at your shop. This is what it's for. Uh, You know, if you don't even like whatever, it's like, I think those things are like, or, or, I don't know. It, it's like very important that like I have so much passion for like subcultures and I see that people work so hard for it that that's what you want to support. You don't want to support like big corporations because they make millions. Whereas like small businesses like Chopperhead, like Black Stallion Tattoo, Tattoo Flash Collective, Atomic Tattoo, they are making thousands, not millions they are actually the ones that are putting food on the table and are able to put their children through college and all of that kind of stuff. And it's like, that's what you su- should support. And it's, not, it's, 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 uh, oh, it's not always even thousands. Sometimes it's just breaking even. If you're lucky, or sometimes I'm taking money out of my own pocket to put it in the chop head to keep the doors open during the winter. Yep. Because everyone thinks, it's, oh, yo, you guys have the TV, you know, even though, the old DVDs are on Amazon, so everyone thinks like it's, I love it's money. DVDs. You know, yeah, everyone thinks it's money. It's like, nah, dude. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you know, so people think things are bigger than they really are. But, but you know, the thing is, like, the thing is, I think, you know, one of the points we take from today is you do things out of passion, and it, yep. and, and it'll get you the, um, whether you want it or not. Like, passion is something that's more deserving of, of support and respect than just fucking profit or doing things for the right reasons and putting the time in paying your dues. You you get involved in something, especially in these worlds, right? Like, you know, it's way easier just to go get a regular job, make a lot of money, 
I'll work for buy, Wall Street, man. Buy a bike, a go get a bunch of tattoos and fucking do whatever you want. It, it's it's a whole different thing to devote your life to this stuff and, yep. and, and try and squeak out a living, especially in this day where so many people have the, their hands in your money before you even see a penny. Yep. You know, whether it's government or, or uh, insurance companies or uh, landlords or mortgage companies or, uh, you know, towns with licensing and this and that. Like uh, PayPal fees, eBay fees, like yeah. you, you know what I mean. Like it's it's insane the amount of people, credit card processing fees. It's insane the amount of people that have make money off your business before your business sees a fucking penny. Yep. And no, and you I don't do this. Agree. Yeah, and you don't do this unless you really fucking want to do it and you really love it because you know, like you know. That's just how it is, man. Because you, otherwise, you're not going to survive, or you're going to learn really quick that it's not as glorious as you think it is. And and the only thing that's going to get you through it is is your love for the for the craft. Well, or else you wouldn't put that many like time, like you know, you put hours and hours and hours upon. It's like I I think it's not even the hours that you're open, right? At at Chopperhead, you might be open like ten to six. At six o'clock shit doesn't stop, you know? Like, cause like after that, you're thinking about the next thing that you could do, not only like as far as like profit. And, 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 and I think that that's the biggest thing. It's like DIY doesn't directly, in my opinion, means that you cannot make profit, right? Like being like, I, I need to make profit. Cause if I do not make profit, I cannot support my friends or I cannot put food on the table. So yeah, if you're, not, is, if you're not paying your rent, you're not, or, or your mortgage or whatever. Exactly. You're not, you're, it's you're, like being like, I didn't get into tattooing to just like fucking break even, you know? It's yeah. like, I need to make profit. But like, there's things that you can do to be passionate about what you're doing. And those are those things that like, you know, for me, it's like Tattoo Flash Collective. For you, it's like full speed ahead and all of that. That might not directly be like profitable in like, like dollar amounts, but it's profitable because it gets your name out there. It gets people involved in it and it gets people excited. It gets people out of the house. It gets people like just interested in like a certain like subculture. And that that's like one thing that like, that is like really difficult in, in tattooing. It's like that these old tattooers, like they're sometimes like very close like to like newbies in 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 the tattooing i i don't want to have an apprentice and all of that if i would ever have an apprentice i would make sure that they have the same amount of passion that i have found not only in myself but in like many other people um just have the passion and and the money will kind of follow the money is like i hate saying secondary because it is important to to make money but like, if you put your passion first, the money will follow. And then I, I don't know that integrity of like making that money. Right. It's like, it's like, obviously we need to pay our bills and all of that, but like, I don't want to quote unquote sell out. Like, I don't want to like change like certain aspects and just go for the quick buck. Right. Like, yeah. And just that's, to, you know, it's like, I, I, as a tattooer, I, I got enough followers to where I could like start capitalizing on like any kind of like tattooing or like any kind of motorcycle like aspect. I don't want to do that because sure. and there's some you know, real scumbag like, shit going on right now. Like I hear about people like that have a certain amount of followers, even in the chopper scene where it's like, 
uh, someone will be like, hey, can you repost this for me? Well, yeah, but, you know, I have this many followers, so it's probably worth this much money and this and that. No, fuck you, motherfucker. Like, I would never pay nobody to post some shit of mine. Like, And I would never even think about, like, I get hit up all the time. Hey, can you post this event for us? Fuck yeah, dude. Like, all it's doing is helping the fucking, the scene that I'm involved with and the scene I love. Like, I don't care if I don't make anything out of it. It's what we do with Tattoo Flash Collective, you know? It's just helping, you know what I mean? And it's fucking crazy, man. Like, the, the world is a fucking weird place right now and it's but you know it's also there's there's so much shit that's cool and new and exciting and and there's so much shit that's just fucking weird right now like you know yeah and i i think it's just like being like you know like you just gotta find like where 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 do you want to stand and where do you want to make your mark in the in the chopper scene in the hardcore scene in in like the the tattooing scene whatever whatever subculture it is right the yoga scene or like the fucking Namaste, motherfucker. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's like whatever being scene, a, right? A it's finished like, carpenter, man. Do do the shit you do, man. And, yeah. and fucking just do right, you know? And like for us, obviously, you know, like the hardcore and the punk and 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 and, and the choppers and the tattooing, it all kind of combines together, right? I think that those three things, the reason why I got so interested in 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 those three aspects of of my life which like basically made all my friends in like boston right like it, it's like it, it it was amazing what like i said when we moved to boston that the hardcore scene basically got us like a start in boston and then like it went from like hardcore to obviously tattooing and then on to like choppering choppers and it just like keeps on expanding and expanding and I love the fact that I am able to do what I love and support the people that love what they're doing in whatever that is, you know, either either it's in uh, choppers, either it's in hardcore, either it's in any kind of subculture. I think that subcultures are are amazing, and subculture is what keeps America alive. can, Can you do me a favor? Can you say punk, hardcore? Choppers, tattoo, and subculture. One more time. <laughs> I know That's someone has. Thing. I know some motherfucker at home is ripping his fucking hair. Going, hey, these motherfuckers keep talking about the same shit. God damn, like chopper, <laughs> like hardcore punk motherfuckers. I want uh, one more thing. Um, th- something that you touched on real lightly, and, and that I want to go back to real quick is that you mentioned the term sellout, and that's always been like a funny thing to me because, like, I'm not in a place where I'm like have like extra means and live in fucking large by any means I'm alive and I'm doing well and I don't answer to anyone except myself you know what I mean but at the same time like you see people that to me it's a very juvenile attitude to like to shit on someone especially more in punk rock or hardcore than maybe than the motorcycle or tattoo world someone that becomes a success financially and you know there's there's people that become a success you know um you know, like respect wise. And there's people that come become a success financially. And some people become a success both ways. Some, some people never become a success anyway, but whatever. But like if someone becomes a success doing what they love financially and they didn't change anything they do, like they got shunned. No, no. Or, or, and it just happened to hit and they make a lot of money. Like that ain't a sellout to me. A sellout is someone that does things a certain way. And then says, no, I'm going to change what I do just to make money. I 100% agree and, on that. And, and so it always, because, you know, me and you both have friends that are in bands that just took off at some point and have, you know, a big following and made big money and had some uh, some some 
aspect of like uh, commercial success that they didn't seek. It just happened. Yep. And it was almost thrust upon them. You know what I mean? And whether it's motorcycles, tattoos, you know, now with these TV shows or, or motorcycles. And it was always something that always got me always got me a little mad it's like is it is it juvenile is it jealousy or is it just not really understanding if someone didn't do anything different and just what they did caught on and they got some money out of it fuck yeah man good for you dude like Hell live the yeah. dream and ride the wave while you can because you know sometimes that commercial shit that commercial wave crashes so but think, be smart think of about it, too. it it's like like sell out in terms of like oh you made money when was the last time you met a fucking millionaire like we're talking about making money. We're talking about like a couple of thousand a month or something like that. Right. Like at the best, yeah. it is not that we're making fucking millions. Right. It's yeah. like being like, I, I wouldn't even sell out like what, like it, it, it's a hard term. Like I agree, like sell out being like, okay, when do you think like I'm a sellout? I, I truly believe that if you have like the same amount of passion that you had when you made $10 as if you make a million dollars, you're not a fucking sellout. You just got lucky that you made a million dollars. But agree, if you change everything that you do and like really change it to like being like, I'm going to start this project to make millions of dollars. That's when I think it's being like, that's like when the term sellout comes to me into yeah. terms being like, okay, if money, you're going against, you need money, right? Yeah. Like, but, but but it's only to me only if you're going against what you normally do just to make money. Exactly. If you do what you normally do and you make money at it, and fuck yeah, dude, Good you're lucky you. you caught on. Yeah. Yep. But you know, and it's just a weird thing. Like, I don't. We don't need to spend a ton of time on that. It's just it's just an interesting thing that comes up every well, now and I, then. I, you know I think what that, I mean? That that's again in in like any kind of subcultures. It's like just the, the the term sellout is like big because I think that people are are just so passionate about what they're doing. Is that like or, or is it passionate or sometimes like overly protective? Like it's like, you know, you're calling someone a sellout, but what the fuck did you do, motherfucker? What have you contributed? Like you list, well, what did you give back? List, list the things that you've contributed or given back and then and then call that motherfucker a sellout. You well, know, and, what I mean? and that's why I think it's like very important, right? It's like being like if you became a millionaire because of like whatever kind of like you did, right? If this podcast takes off and you make millions of dollars. Being like, I think that you will still be that person that like will put on like full speed ahead, even if it like bakes barely anything. No, that, like I still will do certain things to for the passion and giving back to that subculture. If you are able to make money off of that, but you still give back to like your subculture or like whatever kind of like you're passionate about. More power to you, man. Absolutely. Like, I'd rather have that money go to you than fucking Jeff Bezos, you know? Like, fuck that, yeah. dude. Yeah. Do, do you understand what kind of fucking circus Full Speed Ahead would be if me or Packer had any kind of fucking extra money? <laughs> like, it would be a full-on fucking circus. We have more of these, like, uh, fucking grab bags <laughs> oh, yeah, like everywhere. Yeah, dude. It would be fucking completely fucking bonkers, man. It would it'd be the funnest shit you ever did. Because we got ideas. Like, we're always like, man, like oh, how much is that? Uh, 
fuck it, man, maybe down the road when we get some extra cash. Like, we don't, like, that money that generates from that show, we keep it in a fund so we can do the show next year and try and expand exactly. it and make it a little bit bigger. It's not like, oh, shit, yeah, I can fucking pay my rent for the year. It's not that. It's, well, it's, and you it's support other subcultures in that. Stay it in. Stay in there and just kind of keep it going and keep it growing. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's all it's about. Yeah. Like I don't think I, I have I have no problems whatsoever in, in, in making money. We need to make money or else, like, we cannot pay our rent. But there is, like, a huge difference to me into where, like, you only go for the money or you actually, like, start giving back to, like, like you know, any any kind of, like, thing that you're, like, passionate about. And, and, and that's, like, where, like, all these things combine, like, so close together to where I see so many similarities into into any of these things that we're doing. And to me, it's a beautiful thing. I love it. I, I, I overwork myself at time. I, uh, it, it's hard, but I, I love it. Like, honestly, if I have a day off and I'm not riding my motorcycle or I'm not doing anything in tattooing. You probably don't even know what to anything, do with yourself. I don't know. I will get bored. I will bore the shit out of fucking like Tasha. <laughs> she will be like, what the fuck? Please yeah. get out, do something. Because I don't know. I, I love supporting those things that I'm, that I'm truly passionate about. And, um, oh, grab bag. This is like a toilet call too. Oh man, like another thing. Well, I after this it, one, it I'm gonna like actually pronounce it properly. McGillaguddies. McGillaguddies. It's a nip, people. All right, this is AKA this is, airplane this is, bottle. This is to doing shit for the right reasons and giving <laughs> back. You can actually hear that on the podcast. Gulping good, down. Good. 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 All right, man. Well, hey, dude, we're at like two hours and 20 minutes, man. God damn. I don't yeah. know who wants to listen to my voice I for know. like that long. but Everyone's going to start talking with weird Dutch accents, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, Wooden shoes and like <laughs> subcultures. Yeah, fuck yeah. Man. Everyone's going to say punk rock, hardcore, <laughs> heavy metal, uh, choppers, tattoos, and subcultures. Yep, exactly. That's the take home like, for today, everybody. Yep. So why don't you give out, or is there anything that we haven't hit on that you think is important? I think we uh, nearly hit everything. Yep. And then I'll give you some of my fucking background, how I got into this country. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's. Uh, well, that's it was more important. I didn't care about how you got here. It was more yeah, about how you got into tattooing. How the fuck do you get out, <laughs> motherfucker? Now, the thing that <laughs> I'll I will get rid say, of you here. The only other thing that. The, the the biggest thing that you missed out was uh, being in Tucson without a motorcycle because you haven't. Riding out there is fucking beautiful. Even though you, even though in the summer it's like fucking Satan's hair dryer blowing right on your face, uh, drive riding in the winter or the fall, or whatever. Like some beautiful fucking riding out there, man. Well, that that's like uh, Tasha's uh, grandfather lives in Lake Havasu and all of that. And like every time we go there, I'm like, God, this is like would be so beautiful. I actually like really hate the fact that it took me so long to get my motorcycle license back in the United States just because of the fear of like, yeah. you know, failing like the, the written test and all of that. But now that I have, it's like, next time you guys go to fucking Tucson, man, like I'm, I'm, I'm like freaking, you know, like I'll put my fucking black yeah, and man. gold bike on like the thing, yeah, you know, dude. Well, we're like smoking some bottle fucking pancakes. Honestly, bro. Like I am really thinking about trying to buy a bike or, or have a second bike that I just keep out there. Cause I'm out there. Usually every year, at least once, you know what I mean? Like it used to be more often when, when Bricktop stuff was going on. But um, 
uh, and just keeping it with brothers out there. And then if I have a bike out there, you're always welcome to use it when you go out, man. I would and, love and to. I, I I know a few tattoo shops out in Tucson that like, you know, like I can hit up, I can tattoo. I, I can get you. It's like can, being yeah. like, fuck yeah. Like, cause like, that's like one of the things that like, I, I'm, I'm so happy that I got back into like riding a motorcycle and not only riding a motorcycle, but like actually be accepted into like the Chopperhead family to where I'm like, fuck dude, that that's all I want to do. It's like truly my mind is raising a million, million miles per hour all the time into like coming up with the new thing for tattoo flask collective coming up with new ways to like set myself apart from like tattooing like whenever i ride motorcycle that is the only time i can truly say that like it, it, it sounds so fucking corny but that's the only time that i can be like let go of yeah, all man. my fucking other things so it's like I, I love the United States, right? Like being like, I love Europe. I love the United States. United States has so many fucking like states that I still want to explore. I, I want to go to Tucson. I want to like ride. I want to ride like California. It's like I lived for four fucking years in California and didn't have a motorcycle. <laughs> like yeah, now man. that I'm like sitting here, like having my motorcycle in the in, in Chopperhead for like, what, three, four months being like, I can't even ride. You know, I'm like, <laughs> how the fuck did I go without a motorcycle? You know, like for although, so fucking long. Although this winter ban is a little bit of an anomaly. You know what I mean? With a lot of 40, 40 and 50 degree days in February, you know, that's like well, why, I, that's why I need in. a third, like a second motorcycle, you know, one that I can keep on the road all winter long long yeah you need a uh, adventure uh, touring bike that you can uh, ride <laughs> in the snow like what is that the new harley that coming out like freaking uh, oh, uh, like the, the, the pan, pan am pan, pan america, america. Yeah, there man. you go yeah it actually looks pretty but, interesting i know i'll get a lot of hate for saying that but i i mean I don't, i'm not saying i like it yet i gotta see it and i'm interested and in see what it looks like but i heard it's gonna be like 20 grand dude they're fucking stupid and outpricing themselves man. i'll fucking have you guys build a chopper <laughs> for half that price like being like fucking perfect you know <laughs> yeah so fuck yeah man why don't you give out uh some of your contact information so people can find you you know the the, the websites and the social media um, for, for so you can find me on uh black stallion tattoo.com that's like my website uh black stallion tattoo on facebook fa uh instagram obviously most important and then uh my other business tattoo flask collective on uh, on instagram as well is there a website for it too or? there's tattoo flask collective.com okay man like those are the things i'm you know, uh, actually looking into uh, moving a little out of the city and going a little bit like closer to home. So who knows? I might have like a studio of my own like one day. Um, but Black Stallion Tattoo, you can find everything out about me. You can ask me any kind of questions. I'm, I'm pretty much an open book. And it'll send you Dutch nudes. Yeah. If you, if you ask politely. Nudes and wooden <laughs> shoes, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, this was uh, successfully. Well, let, let's wrap up. Well, I think it's semi successfully. We're gonna. We didn't wrap even up. use your like special like. Oh we, we, yeah, we don't. I don't even know which one's this one. Ah, there we go. There yeah, you go. I yeah, like man. this. There but, you go. Uh, we're going to uh, wrap up this uh, first episode of the Big Truth Podcast. I want to thank my man, Johannes, for coming in. I want to thank uh, Fireball and Dr. McGilliguddy's <laughs> for unofficially sponsoring uh, the conversation here and making us say a lot of the same, same things again and again. And uh, definitely, we're brought to you by Chopperhead Custom Cycles. Check us out, www.chopperhead.com. Uh, 
Atomic Ink Tattoo on uh, Instagram. Well, on, as far as Chopper goes, just so you know, we do everything from oil changes to full custom builds and everything in between. We make some parts. Uh, we make some swag. We make some. Gold, so, <laughs> we powder coat Johannes's bike gold. All the all the parts that he wants. We don't powder coat. We use Good Hughes powder coating uh, in New Hampshire. A good friend of ours. But we uh, we facilitate the process and we take the bike apart and put it back together with the new gold parts because he's Dutch and he loves gold. And uh, you know we do a lot of stuff. So check us out choppahead.com, Instagram at choppahead, and Facebook. I think it's uh, choppahead customs with a K. Um, uh, Atomic Ink Tattoo, where we're sitting right now. New skin laser tattoo removal. Uh, yeah, man. And uh, we want to thank you for listening. And we got more stuff coming uh, up soon. So keep it locked and hit the button that says subscribe. That'll help me a lot. And uh, download this shit and spread the word. We appreciate it.